Hi, this is Christopher Mitten, artist of Umbral and Criminal Macabre, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> go surprise surprise before your beady eyes mm-hmm. coming out of nowhere I, I went through um the main catalog this morning there and and uh, it's weird there still isn't a whole lot oh no well for you okay for me yeah. it's gonna be a big friggin month big, really? yeah yeah big month I they're, mean, they're, they're thinking that they're, like, nice to have, but I don't like, like, would it be cool to have the, the Rocketeer Artist Edition? Fuck yeah. Is it something I'm going to read when I get it? Probably not. So yeah. it, I just, I'm, these are the kind of, you know, options I weigh. It's the same thing with the Bolin Judge Dredd. I mean, he's not, for so many people, I understand he's not, like, the definitive or the premier Dredd artist, and I mean, that's cool. He what? One of the first, who th- no, no, I. Who thinks that? What I, I well, I don't because he was pretty much my introduction to Dread because of the American quality comics, things like that. So I mean I but but I think I think there are people who um he's he's also not exactly the most prolific Dread artist. I mean, you know, you've had people like like Dylan and McMahon and I mean there have been a bunch of people who've also drawn Dredge Dread. I I'm not speaking for those for, for our friends overseas. I don't know how they feel about Bolin and con- compared to the other Dread artists from over the years. I really do like that Bolin Dread collection, though. I'm going to have to see how things shake out with my order as to whether or not I'll spend the 90 bucks before discount. Right. Um, but it's not, yeah, it's not It's not looking like a massive month for me, thankfully. But see, I'm on your side. I think Boland is the preeminent Dread artist. Yeah, I love Carlos Square, Square mm-hmm. son, but shit, gaze into the fist of Dread, but yeah. it's, yeah. it's Boland all the way. And you're right, he doesn't have a gigantic uh, page count when it comes to Dread, but that's the magic of it. He doesn't have to. The stuff that he did it was just amazing. Yeah, I don't close my eyes, pretty much his version. So, but yeah, yeah I, I, love, I love all the Dread artists, but Boland, woof. Hey, everybody, look at this. What? It's another episode of 11 O'Clock Comics, this time 761. Surprise! And I'm Vince B., you are Vince B. on this lovely Sunday evening. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. I'm Kurt Wagner. Okay, you could be Kurt. Um, what, I'm guessing you're going to talk X-Books tonight then. Eh, we'll see. Yeah. And last week, he was the last episode, he was Frontiersman. We didn't talk about that issue. Right? It's still on his list. I was still like, too. I ball dropped. Now. Yep. But but you're not the fuzzy elf. You're Jason. Well, because we, we went into the questions in the number twos. Right. So I had to I had to table the probably in your travels, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you're not fuzzy elf. You're Jason Wood, everybody here on this surprise bonus episode. And you know why this bonus episode exists? Because of our butamous patrons. Yep. Those people that have joined the ranks of the EOC. I don't know. What do you want to call them? Familia? It's kind of corny. Oh, definitely. Yeah, but they are family. They really are. And uh, if you would like to check out what all this Patreon stuff is about, go to uh, yeah patreon.com <laughs> <laughs> forward slash 11 o'clock comics. That's uh, without the giggle. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics where you could see all of the stuff that we uh, let fly for the patrons. Videos and audios and images and 
polls and books in the months and everything. It's just a, it's a whole lot of fun. And we have that Slack channel that you can only get in if you are a, an 11 o'clock comics patron. It's like those old speakeasies when you used to knock on the door and they'd say, what's the password? And you'd say, I, I don't know. I was just walking by. Well, you can't get in because you're not one of the elites, but you could be. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Not as easily done as the DCBS order. Hmm. <laughs> Not by a long shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, good day, though. Good fun day. After nice. the week from hell. Yeah, this this today was a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, I got to wake up at 7 instead of 5. It was Oof. great. Yeah. I mean, it's putting in the hours. Well... You know, idle hands, work of the devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you do clutch- you? <laughs> what were you going to say, Jason? I said, are you clutching your rosary right now? Oh, I've already made my novena for the day. Nice. Yeah, yeah. What What are you drinking, people? I got a new beverage. I mean, it's quasi new, but uh, it's bubbly, which is, but it's called bubbly bounce. So it's seltzer with caffeine. Oh, nice. I'm down but for that. But then I'm like left to ask myself, like, isn't this just diet soda then? Yeah. Right? Like, it's got flavor, zero calories, and caffeine. It's sort of like diet soda. I'm not quite sure why it's not, I guess, other than the fact it doesn't have any artificial sweetener in it. But either way, yeah. Uh, wifey bought it, and then she, she didn't want it because she doesn't like the caffeine. So... I'm like, let me give it a try. It's, uh, you know, tastes just like seltzer. So, you know, obviously, there's no taste of caffeine. But I like the idea of it. Like, I like sure. the idea that I'm getting some caffeine boost in there, too. So it makes the engine purr. Yeah. Blood orange grapefruit, for those wondering. Oh, I like that combination. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah. I am drinking the world's best cup of coffee. And we're not in Twin Peaks, so you know that it's McDonald's, right? Mickey D's, coffee. It's good. And I love it. See, so you can't call it cafe fe. No. Not when it comes from Mickey D's. No. <laughs> you can call it. Know. You can uh, call everything God. else cafe fe, but not, no. Jesus Christ. Yep. I know him. <sighs> what you got, Dap? Uh, just a little bit of uh, G and T. With more G than T, I had a. Um, I just. I don't want anything heavy tonight. It was kind of a. It was a chill day. Yesterday was just kind of steady moving, but today I just today I actually accomplished things. I got I, I, I had a nice chill breakfast. Got my workout done. I made um, one of my responsibilities is to make breakfast empanadas for Renee for the week. So I took care of that this morning, and um, I. Got my hair shaved and everything. So, I mean, it was, it was a hella productive day. Really nice, really chill. So, I said, fuck it. I'm going to have a gin and tonic. And I did. I had a couple. And then I made one before I came upstairs to chat with you two. Look at that. Nice. I guess that gin brings out the chatty bitch in you. <laughs> it brings out the bitch for sure, yeah. <laughs> well, H2O does that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, good. Comics. We got to talk about them. Do we, though? Yeah, yeah we do. That's It's on the, It's in the name. Is it? 
Eleven o'clock comics, yeah. I guess our LLC official name change hasn't gone in yet. What is the official name change? I thought we were going to expand like Vince McMahon and be Eleven O'clock Entertainment. Oh <laughs> no, I don't know. I think we can just handle the one thing. Thank you. We stick enough of the other stuff in here every week, don't we? I think so. Yeah, right under the rug. Um, you have any of those questions preloaded? Because that was fun oh, I last time. Mad questions, dude. Yeah, so I, I say we have mad questions thanks to our amazing patrons, the aforementioned patrons. For those of you that. Uh, for some odd reason, or listening to this before you listen to our last episode, uh, we solicited silly, geeky questions from the audience. People that the questions, the kind of questions that an average non-comic fan would have stereotypically thought we just sat around and talked about all the time. And uh, we we're like, let's let's have let's have a moment to just be total total nerds and nerd out with some stuff. So uh, I'll pose this one first to Vince. Although I have a feeling it's going to be a runaway, how he answers. It's from our our good buddy Tim Meekins. Howard, Donald, or Daffy? Well, uh, I'm not even considering Daffy. So, no, agreed. Like, yeah, just yeah. just throw if, that if this right. Is out. F. Mary kill like Daffy's getting yeah, shotgun to the yep. head. Yeah, rabbit season. Uh, wow, this is tough, but. You know where my heart lies, so yeah, gotta go with Howard. I gotta go with Howard. Yeah, I figured as much. I think I'd go with Howard too. I mean, I I don't. I got love for the old Disney characters, but well, maybe I should explain. Um, There's no denying that those Barks, Donald Duck stories are among the best comics ever made, right? Um, If you've read them, you completely understand the. I'm not being facetious. It's just the truth. Carl Barks was a master storyteller, uh, an amazing artisan, and those stories are—they're just gold. They're—they're they're, they're some of the finely crafted best stories in all of comics. But Howard hit me right at the right age, man. I was—I was young. I don't even know what age. Let, let's just say I, I was definitely under fifteen, right? And uh, I just started to to question stuff and take a look at the world, maybe with a little bit of a side eye, like, this doesn't seem right to me. This is a little off kilter. And that's Gerber's entire shtick in a nutshell. Like, Gerber questioned everything. And and Howard made fun of the the establishment. And to me, that was that was super cool. Like, he had no love for for you know the status quo. And I just. It immediately clicked, and Gene Colon. What? So yeah, um, just the, the the ridiculousness of some of the villains, Doctor Bong, like it's it, it just the uh, surreal, avant-garde, silly-ass comics from a company that I never even thought would publish something like that. Like they, uh, they're the house of the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. What is this duck running around? I don't get it, but I did get it, it, it hard. Yeah, it hit me real hard. So. Real hard. Yeah, so I don't want to just say, yeah, oh, poo-poo on Carl Barks. Like, that would be ridiculous to say that. It's a tough choice. But even so, I'd have to go with Howard. Nice. Yeah. Do you have a, a, a do you have an opinion one way or the other, Tap? I, not really. I think I'd probably go with Howard just because of the... Um, because at least... It, 
with Howard, I think I'm um, I'm kind of a noob with the character, more or less. But it, it's 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 a situation where I really don't know what I'm going to get. Whereas I don't know what it is about Warner Brothers or Disney and and having ducks being like kind of assholeish to a degree. I mean, <laughs> Daffy is you know the the, the entitled dude major asshole, all, and 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 Donald. I mean, you know, his nephews aren't like this, but. I mean, Donald is always, you know, he, he he's, I, he's got the short temper. He's he 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 flies off the handle very easily. So I just I don't know why the, the big wigs have something against ducks, but yeah, I just but I you know, I I get a, I'll watch a Daffy cartoon anytime. I I, I get a kick out of Daffy Duck. Donald is enjoyable in 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 context and the settings, but um, but yeah, I mean, plus. Fucking Howard was in Guardians of the Galaxy, so I, I, I ain't mad. Yeah, the Donald of the cartoons is a little bit more, uh, has a little Alan bit more Bull. of a hair. No, has more of a hair trigger than the Donald in the comics. In the comics, mm. yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he gets pissed off in the comics, but it's it's more measured, and I think it's just I mean, I don't know if I if this is an answer to your question, but I just think it's funny. When a duck gets pissed off, like, yeah, I mean, you see them in the water get all. I mean, yeah, yes, I, I guess of all the animals, maybe the, the the ducks do tend to show their emotions more than maybe. I mean, not a household dog, but uh, yeah, I, mean, I think it, it's it, in the voice. Like you know, when Donald gets pissed off, yeah. and it's like that's funny how he makes those noises. But uh, a mouse getting pissed off isn't—I don't think any—is near, not nearly as funny as a duck for the because of the way that ducks vocalize things. I think that, I think that's all it is, right? I, I sure. I haven't uh, ever dissected the uh, emotional linguistic spectrum of uh, of fowl, but yeah. Makes sense. But speaking of Howard, maybe one of these times we should have a Howard the Duck book of the month. Hey, I'm yeah. with it. Yep. I'm not the it. not the new stuff. The, no, the, the uh, good stuff. No, that's Dude. yeah. That, that was that's not. Even, I'm just saying. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think I said that. That's one of the essentials I have. I can I can dig that out. Yep. All right, we should do it. Now, how about Cam putting the Hey Vince? What do you think of this? Uh, what if? Yeah. Image? yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, that's not. <laughs> I love him. I do yeah, love him. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah he, he meant well. He did. Well. He did. Yeah, but it's like yeah. you guessing that my birthday is in February. I know right. you still love me. Oh my it's, god! It's a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, but that's right. Yep. There we go. I love this question by Jonathan Wilbur. <laughs> MIA writers and artists. Who do you want to see come back? He doesn't mean Jim Lee or J. Scott Campbell. He means like what the fuck happened to fill in the blank. I have two that immediately came to mind, so I'll give you a moment to uh, to to come up with your answers. I have one right off the bat. Would you like to go first then? No, I want you to go first. Sorry, I was I was boorish. Sorry. No, no, that's not, uh, the the two names that immediately came to mind. Like just free, freed my mind, free association that came to mind are Judd Winnick. I always liked Judd's comics. You know, again, never a guy that was going to be confused with Alan Moore, but I thought he did a great job writing really accessible, fun superhero comics for a long time. I generally enjoyed the stuff he did more often than not, and uh, he just fell off. You know, I mean, he went on to do other things. I know he does like 
charity stuff and a comic strip and all that. But like he hasn't, you know, done a main, a big two comic in a minute. And it's not like he did creator owned. So definitely think there'd still be a place for him at the table. Uh, and then the one that, that for me is at the top of the list is, uh, Alan Heinberg because, uh, to me, his, his two, a young Avengers series were as good Avengers esque comics as there's ever been. And they've kept those characters around. At least most of them, some have gone on to do other things of some import, right? I mean, obviously we have a a, a Marvel uh, TV show looming with with Kate Bishop as, as Hawkeye. She's probably, I guess, the breakout star. But we had a a, a big comic event uh, what earlier this year? Or I time COVID time confusing, but either either late last year or earlier this year, where Hulkling was the the centerpiece as the emperor of the Kree Scroll, you know, uh, empire. So I. I uh, so the characters have have gone on to 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 some level of import of the Rome, but nothing compares to, in my opinion, to when he and Jim Chung uh, helmed them, and um, and, and the, that's that's one of the rare modern Marvel books that I've read multiple times, just because uh, I just think it's so great. And he just did those, and then he went on and did uh, a little TV, bit of work with DC. Well, he did. Oh, okay. he, he launched Wonder Woman with with the Dodsons, right? Uh, he did a, a JLA book for a little bit, but uh, yeah, and then he and he he was a longtime comic, uh, not a longtime TV writer before he did uh, Avengers, uh, Young Avengers, and then uh, he he went back and and he's been spending the last two and a half years as the executive producer and showrunner on Sandman, which is about to debut on Netflix. So I mean, it's certainly a, a good gig to have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I don't. I mean, it's not like my man is starving. I don't like. I don't think he needs to come back to comics. But I selfishly would love to have him pop in and do a series or two a year because I thought he was a great. He was one of those. You know, sometimes when you have these writers come over from from other mediums to to helm something, it's it can often be hit or miss, and and quite often the first their first go is 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 a miss because it's like too wordy and they just don't have a feel for comics. But but he he was an exception in my opinion. Nice. Well, uh, I feel like crap because uh, the artist that instantly came to mind. Tell me he's dead. Uh, yeah, I did a little Google search and he uh, died. He died, died in 1995. Oh, okay. Of, no, of Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. So, yeah, I can, I can, who, who, I can certainly who, who, who wrap my head. Nick Manabet. Oh. He did Cybernary. Yes, I, I love Holy his shit. work. No, I, yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't know he died. Wow. And yeah, um, born in seventy two, died oh, yeah. in, in he was he was only twenty three, dude. Yeah, jeez. Uh, it's that's a that hurts. Uh, yeah. Godspeed, Nick Manabat. But yeah, I really enjoyed his work on Cybernary. So detailed and and detailed on on the one hand and pseudo loose, like the lines were very expressive. Loved it. But uh, so I picked an artist and a writer, mm. and the writer that immediately sprung into my head was Len Kaminsky. Hmm. Uh, well, um, he don't tell me he's dead too. No, 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 he's not. He's not. He he's um. He definitely has. There's there might be some vision issues. He's he's not. Um. We're we're friends on Facebook. He uh, and, and we share stories about pets but he um he's not he's not in the best 
picture of health. Oh, that's uh, time sucks. But yeah, um, Len's responsible for one of my all-time favorite Marvel series, Ghost Rider twenty ninety nine. Yeah, among other things. But he always had that weird Gerber esque, yeah, left field slant to his work, and uh, I I think he's great. Um, a I little a little bit of a um, chatty Cathy. When he writes, like there's, he, he mm-hmm. likes, likes to put like a little, Facebook, yeah, a lot of words. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but that's okay. I, I think that's value for the dollar. I know Jason yes. and I disagree on that, but I like wordy comics. Well, because it covers the art that Jason wants to buy later. But that's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> his avatar on Facebook is Max Hedrum. He's, he's, he's a good dude. Yeah. Um, I like Len's work a lot. Yeah. Same, same, same. Yeah. Um, Actually, a couple came to mind only because of the the uh, the comics that that came and went from them. But first, actually, one of the artists that immediately came to mind is uh, Adrian Alfana. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, since the covers from the G Willow Wilson Miss Marvel series, I, I don't know what he's done since those covers. Um, but I mean, you know, co-creator of the Runaways. Um, fantastic artist. I love his style, but he's somebody who I wish, you know, we'd see more of. Um, and the others aren't necessarily, you know, where are they as far as the person themselves? It's just more of a, when the fuck are we getting the rest of the story? One of them is, uh, Nate Simpson, who gave us non-player from Image Comics. (laughs) Oh, it's never going to be. (laughs) Yeah, you'll never see another issue of that. Four years later. And then the other is, of course, um, Adam Hines, who gave us the first volume of the multi-volume Duncan the Wonder Dog. Both excellent choices. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see either of those again. I don't. I, don't. I agree. Yeah. 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 I'm glad I've got the, the Duncan right behind me where it's probably going to stay and until place burns down. Or right ah, it's such a good book. But, I mean, um, I don't know what claims were made. Maybe you can enlighten me. But wasn't it... Proposed to be a three book series or something? No, like I believe nine. Oh, nine. okay. So I was at least I had a multiple, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh boy, can you imagine nine of those on the shelf? That would be great. Crazy, right? Yeah. And considering the first issue came out what in twenty ten, the first volume. I mean, I think we we could have gotten them by now if if he worked, you know, a year. But you know, still, it's. it's one of well, I think things. it would be a really cool idea to get him just to talk about what happened. How did it go? wrong um to to produce a work that was stunningly unique and and just dropped into well, our laps out of the blue and then all of a sudden you know what? when when um i mean well he'd have to find a new publisher now because ad house published it yeah. but maybe we can talk to chris about it maybe chris would if we can't get adam maybe chris knows and it, i don't and not for the purpose of of rubbing his nose in it i just like well, to to be able to put a period at the end of the sentence and find out what exactly happened i agree with you yeah, yeah. He has been the he's the co-founder and game director for the last seven years of a video game company called Night School Studio. I don't know anything about the, the studio, Affirmation Studio. Yeah. Well, hopefully one day we can find out. Yeah. Um, I have a bit of a theme. Oh, don't you always? Well, I try. Yeah. But... Um, I don't know if you're going to click with this theme. Mm. Yeah. Doesn't seem very inclusive. Uh, the, the theme is Edgar Rice Burroughs. 
Okay. Because I have two. I won't talk about them in succession because that would run too long. I have two comics, both from American mythology, which is the current home, along with Dynamite, um, the shared home of Edgar Rice Burroughs, but where Dynamite has Warlord of Mars and Deja Thoris, American mythology seems to have the, uh, I don't want to call them secondary, but the other worlds in right. the Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, catalog, like Pellucidar um, and uh, this other book that I'm going to talk about, uh, Beyond the Farthest Star. Star, um, it's Warriors of Xandar, number one. And it's a continuation, obviously, of concepts conceived by Edgar Rice Burroughs in a pair of novellas that were grouped together under the title Beyond the Farthest Star. Uh, this comic was written by Mike Wolfer and Christopher Paul Carey, who's director of publishing at ERB. Uh, so this stuff, if we believe what we're told, is considered canon in terms of the Edgar Rice Burroughs multiverse. The, this stuff is legit continuations of the seeds that Burroughs planted. So, okay. Uh, illustrated by Alessandro Rinaldi and color by Arthur Hestley. So uh, have you either either of you read Beyond the Farthest Star? No, sir. Well, um, Burroughs intended it to be another multi-novel um, exploration, but it didn't turn out that way. So, uh, I guess World War II, he had commitments, uh, and then he was in ill health and never followed up his two novellas. But what he did produce is was great. Of course, it's Burroughs. He's a master storyteller. Um, so this comic, uh, I guess I shouldn't bury the lead, but I, I'm going to come out swinging. Uh, I like American mythology's books. I like the Zorro stuff. And, you know, Mike Wolfer is omnipresent at American mythology. But I have to say, they've leveled up with with these two. In, in Lately, they, they've leveled up. But these two books, this and the one I'm going to talk about, uh, Warriors of Xandar especially has the best art I've seen come out of American mythology. Um, Alessandro Rinaldi's art is amazing. I love every panel of this thing, um, but I digress. So uh, here's the pitch. There's a star called Omos, right? And it's 335,000 light years from Earth. That's a, that's a long distance, right? Uh, there's 11 planets or orbiting almost. Uh, all the planets are roughly the same size, which kind of raises the question that maybe this system was intelligently designed. Um, we don't get into that in the first issue, but it's mentioned, so maybe they will make good on the, the gun in, in the first uh, scene. Um, well, one of those planets is named Xandar, right? And it's on this planet that the story begins. Uh, Xandar is host to a traveler, young lady, very fetching, from far, far away. Her name is Victory, and uh, Victory's observing. She, she sees these creatures called Keylars, right? Large, bulky monstrosities, and they get the face embedded in their chests. They're very strange looking, um, orange, just big brutes. And she sees these Keylars slaughter members 
of another race known as the Kivas. Everything in, in Burroughs's, seemingly everything in Burroughs's pantheon has a hyphen in it. Um, so the Kivas, these beautiful aquatic blue-skinned beings, and they were guarding these triangular-shaped pools. And, and from these pools, these Kilars removed these small fish-like organisms, these tiny little cute fish, fishy things. And they, they place them in jars. And Victory's not going to stand for it. She, she, she sees the dead lying around. She sees these, these monsters taking these little baby fishes. Uh, and she intervenes, right? She, she blasts one of the Kilars with her ray gun. And it's not an average ray gun. It, it has a purple beam. And whatever the beam comes into contact with, it dissolves. Like flesh just goes away. So I, the, the Kilars flee, right? So uh, so here's Victory, right? And she's standing around all the dead members of this, this Kivas race. And so what would you do if you saw someone standing around dead members of, of, of your family, right? You would think that, yo, this being just killed all my my brethren. So that's where Tila comes into the picture. She's one of the the Kivas. She's beautiful, blue-skinned, white-haired member. Uh, she loses it. She attacks Victory because she thinks that Victory's responsible. Uh, and Tila is a very formidable fighter, uh, extremely fast, extremely nimble. Um, but Victory, I mean, let's be real. Victory could kill her in a second with that purple ray gun. Uh, and she doesn't. And that's what makes Tila stop from from snapping her neck. Like she has her in a in a in a hold, and and Victory's like, yeah, I could have killed you, but I didn't. So maybe you should, you know. Um, so uh, th th you get a little bit of insight into Xandar, the the planet. Uh, it's a place where concepts like time and space and death and destiny—they're very very different. Uh, from the way we conceive those concepts, right? The creatures the Kilar stole are called Govas, another hyphen. And they're the children of the Kivas, these little fishy things. But the pools are there because the, the Govas consume the bodies of the dead and return them to the water from whence they came. There's this cycle being played on. And they, they don't fear death. They, they think of it as just a part of the process we return to the water like what's to be afraid of where we think about death very very differently nobody wants to go there they don't mind uh, but these these little govas are crucial to the culture and they have to be found so that's what victory and tila head out to do right so on their way uh, to get the govas back they're attacked by this giant freaking creature called a froza it's, it's a large hairy thing with teeth and claws and horns and, and tila's like oh well i guess we're dead so meaning that this this was the way things were supposed to be so why should we fight but victory's like fuck no we have something to do we have to fight this thing so um tila's okay if you say so i guess we'll fight it and they're, they're, they're maneuvering around this creature, and uh, somebody enters the picture, and it's um, Victory's little buddy, Hucklebuck. <laughs> you have to see this thing. It's amazing. It's this little basketball-sized 
cute, fuzzy companion. It looks like a cross between a white rabbit and maybe a Pokemon. Uh, it, it has a tail and it's got these black spots and horns on it. Really, really, really cute. Um, but Hucklebuck has a, a hidden skill because he it can transform into something very, very large and very uncute. And it, it just bats the, the Froza away with ease. And then the story continues for the search of the, the Govas. It, that's where the issue ends. But holy crap, was this thing good. I mean, I love Burroughs. I love pulp. I love vintage sci-fi. And this was in line with everything I've come to expect from Burroughs and the genre in general. The the uh, the world of, of Xandar's amazing at the hands of Alessandro Rinaldi. The the foliage is great. The the characters are are beautiful and or ugly. Uh, you know, compare it when you uh, take into account what they're supposed to be. Like Victory's really cute. Um, not uh salaciously so like this is not a dynamite book there there's no s- rampant cheesecake in it i mean they're fetching women both of them but you're not there's no ass and crotch shots and you know that kind of stuff which i think would bring down this story this is a, an innocent little sci-fi romp and i just ate it up with a spoon like this was a beeline right into my heart and good on American mythology for for uh, bringing this because I was surprised. I uh, I don't want to, you know, crap on the company, but they have a a standard that they've maintained in my eye. Like I buy a lot of American mythology books, and they they never really crept out of that zone that they were in. But these two books, I don't know. Maybe it's a it's a conscious effort on their part to, you know make a play I, I just think it looked amazing and it was well worth my four bucks yeah i love it i i, I don't i don't give that section of previews any attention I, I get it because you know they 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 kind of uh they're hard to peg they'll do like three stooges in in space or whatever it is or or underdog um and then they'll do zorro but then they also publish the classic zorro stuff so it, it, they have mike wolfer as i said is omnipresent there mike mike stock and trade is horror right so right. They, they have these horror anthologies that he's been helming and it's kind of hard to pin down american mythology but the one constant is edgar rice burroughs carson of venus uh moon Maid, uh, uh, journey to the center, um, yeah, journey to the center of the earth. Like they, they have a bunch of uh, Burroughs-inspired books, which are they've they've been of a consistent quality. Nothing like these, right? Mm-hmm. These, these are are I think light years of, of removed from what they have been publishing. I just hope they continue in this vein because I was really stunned when i opened up the issue i was like my god this artwork is beautiful and if you want to see it go to um our homepage, 11 o'clockcomicscom there'll be an episode thread for this uh what you're hearing now and you click on you can see the gallery and there's there's examples of what we're talking about in there yeah Love so it. that's the first burrows and then we can do some crap and then later i'll tell you about the second burrows no you know what i mean stuff we'll do stuff and then stuff, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. In the box. What's in the box? <laughs> so what you got? Who are you asking? Either. I, I'm just crazy to hear what, you're, what both of you have read. Well, the thing that I was most excited to speak on last episode, but because of the way the episode went, I ended up tabling it. Uh, and it was the best thing I read this uh, this week, last week's, in last week's uh, group post on Facebook, where I, I always start off a post every week about my favorite thing of the week. And then everybody uh, responds in kind with what dug, they dug the most that week uh, was Philadelphia. By uh, written by Rodney Barnes with art by uh, someone I know Vince is very fond of, Mr. Jason Sean Alexander. And uh, I've read the first few issues as they were coming out, and I think we talked about the first first or first second issue back in the back back a year or so ago, and yep. it hit. Um, and then it's been like many things uh, piling up on my regime because I liked what I read and I kept ordering it, but it just I hadn't gotten around to it, so really been trying the last week or two to uh just knock out some of these these regina books and making sure i'm not wasting money on them by just continuing to buy them and uh very much i'm happy that i didn't stop buying this one uh, so i read um uh, well i reread one and two but then i read issues three through 17 last week uh, so i'm up to date and uh this book on the surface is a vampire book uh it, and it's called Philadelphia because you might guess it's set in the city of Philadelphia, a city that I hold quite dear. The only place I've ever lived outside of New Jersey. Um, and the, you know, the premise is that there is a uprising of vampires in the city. Uh, and it takes you deep into that from all angles, from the vampire angles, from the uh, people trying to, stop it before it gets out of hand uh, and uh you guys have we're all fans of vampire genre you know that that generally trying to stop it before it gets out of hand is usually a failure things get out of hand and then maybe if they're lucky they find a way to stop it uh and that's what happens here but it's a very very complex book and that's where i give it a ton of credit like it pulls a ton of different concepts uh together and i think with a less talented pair of creators it could be an absolute mess and seem meandering and seem like that they're trying to bite off more than they can chew and so i give them tremendous credit for being able to definitely navigate such such diverse uh things because in this book like i said on the surface it's a vampire book and it's uh, it, it is set primarily in the current time but it does do a lot of flashbacks uh, because the protagonist is a um, a detective who uh, whose father uh, was like one of the greatest cops, like a legendary detective in Philadelphia, and he's he's deceased. So his son is also a cop, not in Philadelphia, but he comes to Philadelphia to sort of handle his father's you know final arrangements, what have you. Uh, and, and that's when he gets pulled into this this situation it, it it's clear that his his father before he passed away was working on a a big case which was as it turned out this vampire thing and uh was had some other allies that were working on it and uh and so he gets he gets caught up into it pretty quickly and uh and and, and things go unwieldy but 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 in addition to that it's also historical fiction which i'm a big fan of and it deals head-on with race relations with spirituality with class warfare uh 
I think we even talked about this because you find out in the first issue. So uh, this isn't much of a spoiler, but if if you want to go in on this book completely unspoiled, then you might want to fast forward for like a minute. But the uh, the initial antagonist of the book is John Adams, a.k.a. the second president of the United States, who is, in fact, not only a vampire, but he is he and his wife are the uh, the heads of this American coven because he was turned into a vampire back when, you know, back back when he was, uh, uh, you know, back in the colonial times and, and, and he faked his own death, which is, as we learned, you know, in history, history books, it matches the way we learned of his death and so forth, so on. But he's been alive and well, and what people may not know is that Adams was very, very liberal. Like even, particularly in standards by then, he he was, um, you know, he was he was not a slave owner, um, which may sound like oh good for him, but that that was incredibly uh, unusual back then. I mean, even even George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and the like had had many many slaves, so um, he just found it de- detestable even back then. And I love that Rodney took that idea and said, you know, if like he rather than focus on like FDR, Abraham Lincoln, who are generally well beloved and, and also obviously very progressive presidents, he took a guy that most people consider a bit of a like an asterisk in American history, right? Like 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 you consider Adams as oh, the guy that followed George Washington. Like you don't really not many people unless you're a deep, deep his history buff think much of Adams beyond the fact that he's just the guy that followed George Washington. Or if you've seen, if you've seen, you know, the musical Hamilton, then you might have opinions on him from that as well. But, but, uh, and they even make a joke about that in this book, which I loved. Um, but, but in this case, Bob Barnes said, well, you know, Adams was incredibly for the people and progressive and small government. And, um, imagine if, if he was in today's society, how obsessive he'd be about wanting to basically destroy, destroy the world because it's just been completely you know there's class structure and it's it's nothing of what he wanted america to be when he was as a founding father his vision for what america would be just never came to fruition and uh and and so he barnes basically inserts him into this so he's one of those villains i mean he's a he's a leader of a giant vampire coven but he's a benevolent villain in a lot of ways i mean he means well and he means well because he wants to make the world a utopia essentially um, but the thing is, is, you know, he's not, uh, he's not the only one that's got power and his wife has got other ideas as do other people. And so over the course of this first year and a half of the book, you, you see Adams take, uh, quite a few turns, but you also are introduced to some fascinating, like originally you're introduced to a bunch of, uh, his lieutenants and they're cool. Like there's a, there's an old gunslinger from Deadwood, Dap, which you would love. There's, uh, there's a, 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 a a, a, a kid that was turned more, very recently that was a, basically a, a, drug, a, a drug dealer on the corner, but he's incredibly smart, like one of those people that, that but for his own uh, position in life of where he was born and, and, and the position he was put in, he would have you know probably been a genius and, and wildly successful. And so he plays with that. And then on top of all that, like he he also does really interesting things with the idea of vampirism and explores that. And he treats it much more like a spiritual almost almost an adjunct of like of 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 magic and and energy like we're all connected in 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 ways and vampires are able to tap into uh, a piece of the cosmic fabric that we humans can't or aren't aware of yet and it goes so far as to one of the characters ends up going on a bit of a spirit walk where they meet jesus and they meet buddha and satan and uh and eventually end up becoming essentially like 
uh, Turner and Hoosh buddy cops with Anansi, uh, who who comes to to the aid of uh, of the good guys in this book. And it's just like I know it sounds very disjointed, but it's not at all. It's very very cohesive. It all makes sense. And Jason Sean Alexander's artwork, which a lot of you are probably familiar with from Spawn, is perfect for this because he is yeah. able to do incredibly detailed gory violence but he's also great at drawing talking heads uh and i think it's well laid out it's well paced and it's just a terrific book and it's a book that i hope is being widely enjoyed i don't hear a lot of buzz about it one way or the other um but admittedly i don't know that i'm often looking for buzz outside of our own little bubble so i don't i don't know if this book is wildly popular or what have you but it damn well should be because it's terrific and and I, i i give a lot of vampire stuff movies tv like really anything i give that a try and uh and i think there's a wide range of outcomes i mean a lot of it is is totally forgettable but uh including a lot of vampire comics to be honest but but in this case this is much much more than just a a vampire comic and i i think that uh much like walking dead is not really a comic about zombies uh, i would say Philadelphia is not really a comic about vampirism and so you should Definitely check it out if you're interested in any of those concepts of, of race relations or class warfare or spirituality. Very, very well done, and I, I hope it goes on for a long time. Nice. Uh, so Jason has illustrated all of it to date? Yeah, yep, all 17 S- issues. See, that's crazy. Um, I, I guess from what I'm seeing here that he definitely traded up from Spawn. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice to be the artist on Spawn, but where are you really going, right? Uh, but this looks like he he finally gets that spotlight that he deserves, right? I don't know why I let this one fall by the wayside. Because, yeah, I've read the first couple and then didn't continue with it. But I'm looking at uh, 16 and 17, and yikes, it's they're just really beautiful. Well, that's the thing. It really raises up because you, you get the Adam stuff, and then it goes from there. And you kind of the first arc is kind of contained into that. Like the the good guys trying to stop the the vampire the vampire outbreak in Philly, uh, with Adams at the helm, and there's a, a to do and a, and and Adams is dealt with, let's say, but but so I and I too was like, well, I wonder so when, what what next? And there's I think it's it's either issue seven or eight where you're it's kind of a transitional issue, and you're like, ah, oh, I mean, like is this like is there, where else is this book gonna go? You know, like and, but then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, like like I said, now we're dealing with fucking Satan and and like how like vampirism him. came to and like and then and then Anansi comes in and Anansi's an absolute stone cold badass in this and yeah, yeah so speaking of vampires uh, we uh, at uh, 11 o'clock comics do a previews video each month for our patrons but you people listening don't get to listen to those right I in just December yeah but I just want to make everyone aware speaking of vampires that Carl Slominski's book Cult of Icarus Yes. is currently in the previews. Yep. So I want you to go to the Scout Comics section and look it up and order the damn thing. Uh, General Lynn Wright and Carl Slominski's Cult of Icarus. First issue, so get it. It's a four-issue miniseries. You're going to love the it. first issue is yeah. really October good. previews? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, the one just came out. Yep. And uh, it's on page 332, so you don't have to look for it. Look at you, Sean Otter boy. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I like I his. Seen, I haven't seen previews yet, so I like his yeah. work. Oh hell yeah! Yeah. 
Right on. And you said vampires. I can I can't turn my nose at a vampire story. I'm sorry. I mean, I'll give it I'll give it a, tr- a shot. If it's not to my liking, then mm, maybe I'll move away. But I have to try all the vampire stuff. Yeah, same, same. Yeah. Even Tom Cruise. Yeah, even Tom Cruise. I, I mean, I think we've talked about this many years ago. I I, I read all the Anne Rice novels. Uh, I started to. Me too. Get as far as I wanted to. I mean, they definitely get progressively worse, in my opinion. Um, okay. No, well, because she, I think, you know, with a lot of these authors, I'm, I'm convinced part of it is the money grab, right? They, they, they start to become wildly popular, and she had written other, has written and continues to write other character, ongoing mm-hmm. characters too. But you know, when they hit, it's understandable that they're like, well, let me go back to that well. So I, I thought it, it, the first few I thought were excellent. And then I think that they they ended on a lower note. Um, and and yeah. I say that as I'm saying that, for all I know, maybe there's been more since I last read one. I, I don't. I I have not even looked to see if she's written any more uh, Lestat stuff. Uh, you know, in the last say ten years. But I but but I think I've, I read there were five or six that I read. I guess Memnock the Devil is probably the last one I read. I don't know what number that was in the series. Maybe the fifth. But hmm. um, yeah, you know. Um, I enjoyed them. I mean, they're very, they're romantic. Like they're on the romantic side of things. Right. Right. You know, but they're not twilight. I mean, they're not like that kind of like they're at least they're gory and they have historical fiction elements and that sort of stuff. So I found the, uh, mummy books to be more to my liking than the, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I only read two. I I think think she's been doing witch stuff the last bunch of years, which is why I probably fell off of her. Yeah. Cause that's never been a genre that I've particularly grafted to. I like witches. No doubt. <laughs> what the hell was that? Yeah, I, like, yeah, I like witches. Yeah, I like witches. Blessed oh, be. Oh, she's 79. Damn, respect. How about that? Good for her. She made her Good mark. on her, right? Yeah, she made her mark. Pun intended. Dap, what you got? So, um, I I was having... I was, I was strolling down memory lane, and, and speaking of things that, you know, bring you joy, like with Vince and, and the Burroughs and the... American mythology. I um, because September is basically um, Star Trek month because September eighth is when the show premiered. Um, BBC America has been playing some of the movies, and I was in the kitchen catching um, Star Trek two, The Wrath of Khan, which then of course they then played three, The Search for Spock. So I decided to. Um, go to one of the books that uh, I got from the box of Star Trek goodies that uh, that Ray sent. And, and I picked up the Mirror Universe Saga, which reprints the DC Comics, volume one of the DC Comics series, um, issues nine through 16. And and so this, I mean, these, these issues came out in 19... 80 late late 84 and uh is when this is when this event is when this arc started and what's weird and and also the reason why i'm bringing this up is because lately i don't know why all of a sudden and 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 i'm sure it's always been a thing but but even more so i think lately because of things like what if and star trek vision uh, star wars visions that um there seem to be a lot of people, or at least more so than I, I've, I've, I've noticed, that get really butthurt when things aren't canon. 
And and instead of just sitting down and enjoying the story and 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 just taking it as it is, they if if it doesn't fit into the grand scheme of things and what what the bakers are intended, then then it it, it shouldn't exist or it's not worth my time. And I think I, I think that's a very very narrow view and 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 quite stupid. And and so if if something isn't something doesn't fit into um, whatever the bigger picture is. That's fine. Doesn't mean it, it it shouldn't exist. If it ain't your thing, that's fine. You you can very easily ignore it and just continue watching or reading whatever it is that you know you deem worth your time. But um, I, I bring it up because the the story starts right after Star Trek Three, where Kirk and the rest of the crew leave Spock on Vulcan so he can rest after being brought back to life and, and, and after the, the memory transference between him and McCoy take place. So, so, so Kirk is like, listen, I got to go with my crew. We got to go, you know, face the music because, you know, of the things that happened in Star Trek two and three. Um, but obviously just like when Marvel had the star Wars license way back when, and Marvel had to tell stories in between movies. That's what Mike W. Barr did here. And and what what's interesting is like the it says the editors um for this collection are Marv Wolfman and Mike W. Barr. But you know, all, all the comics basically just say Marv Wolfman is the editor. And and I'd like to part of me wants to say that. I think maybe Barr was had some influence, or, or at least I think there's a reason why writers shouldn't be their own editors, and and they need another set of eyes. And there are things that happen in this collection that wouldn't have happened, I think, had somebody else made sure uh, things made sense and and uh, just. Even, I mean, there there are some miscolorations, which is fine. It happens. Basically, the, the, the whole thing is obviously it's it's the mirror universe, and it's it's the first time, as far as anything in publication, because they didn't even do this in in the pocket books and the novels. But this is the first time since the mirror mirror episode that the um, the prime universe and the mirror universe meet up again, and and it's been it's been about a decade and a half. And Mirror Universe Kirk is just hell-bent on getting revenge on Prime Kirk. And when um, when they do end up meeting, Prime Kirk tries to... Um, he, he, he finds Spock, and he's like, I thought when, when, you know, when I left you that you were going to try to take down the Empire. Um, and... You know, you you were logic, you, you were logical, and 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 you thought, you know, you knew that the, the path you guys were on wasn't wasn't the way to go, and and um, and they kind of just quickly Spock's like, yeah, you know, I thought about it for a minute, but it it it, it was silly for me to even. So they they don't erase what happened in that episode, and they actually end up building on it because um, since the events that happen in this arc are kind of um, 
erased by the time Star Trek Four actually happens. Um, I really need to find the issues after this arc and the I, I, because I I read them years ago and I don't remember now, but I also want to read the issues that were coming out when Star Trek Four came out because uh, at the end of this arc, Spock is the captain of a science vessel. And, you know, obviously in Star Trek four, they're back on Vulcan and then they honor, they're on their way to Starfleet and end up going back in time. So, uh, the events in the arc obviously aren't canon, but, um, I just thought there was, this was a really, really a fun little story. Uh, Um, you know, by the time this ends, like I said, it doesn't put things back to the way they were at the beginning of the story. Um, but as far as the story itself goes, it, things move quickly. It really does kind of play out like you'd see it on the big screen. It 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 works out really well. Everybody everybody acts exactly how you would expect them to act. Um, the uh, but I'm curious to know if there was like any oversight with um, with with Paramount. Um, I kind of think there wasn't. But um, when when you the the, the this is what I was talking about with the editors. Like in the first issue, the um, because they are, um, they're all basically in like their civilian clothes, just like they were at the end of the movie. And then halfway, at, towards the end of the first issue in this story, um, we cut to an Enterprise where the entire crew, you know, is in their dress uniform, and and you see that they're in the Enterprise. Well, obviously the Enterprise doesn't exist in the prime universe at this point and and they're, they're they're still going through the effort of hiding spock's face so you don't see the goatee so the reader is like you know is supposed to think you just turned the page and you saw everybody in the prime universe and now you see them firing on the space station where carol marcus is blowing it up and then you know you get to the final full page splash and and you see the entire crew and there's spock and the goatee and and, and kirk is happy that you know he just killed carol marcus Basically, I just I had a lot of fun reading this. There were um, there were some things where it just kind of felt strange to see how it played out on the page because you, you're you're reading and you're like, well, why didn't why didn't Marv Wolfman say, you know, I think, and and you know, I'm playing armchair quarterback. But I, I just feel like there are things that could have been smoother as far as storytelling goes, but. Um, they still get to where they need to get to, and and I mean, there's a lot of things going on here with with um, the the Mirror Universe counterparts and how they're just basically laser focused on destroying the Enterprise and they want and destroying Kirk, and then when they infiltrate the Prime Universe, they're they're going to keep going to Starfleet and and basically destroy that and um, take over this universe and that that that's their whole goal. Um, the Empire has authorize them to infiltrate the prime universe and take over um and all kirk is just trying to do is is to keep from dying and uh and and i just i think the way without knowing what the next movie was going to be i think bar did a fantastic job in moving the players around and getting where they needed to get to um the resolution is really cool um it, it it definitely plays. I mean, Barr is, I think at the time, Barr 
knew his Star Trek stuff. He knew the characters. He did a great job with everybody. Um, I just had a lot, a lot of fun with it. But, um, but yeah, you know, when when it's over, if you know you finish this and then you read another couple of issues, and then Star Trek Four comes out and you watch that, and you're like, well, I don't know how DC Comics is going to try to put this back or make sense of this. But I, I honestly, I, I mean, at this stage of my life, I don't care. I just want to read fun and entertaining stories and that's what this was so yeah so so the other day i just last weekend i sat down and read this and 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 had a blast with it so that's the best when you can just pull something out and just enjoy it and yeah. i always keep in, my, in the back of my mind well how am i gonna spin this to to bring it to the show to make it interesting and i i had kind of had that problem with the the two edgar rice burroughs books because there's really nothing the the, the concepts are not particularly deep there's there's really nothing i can uh you know there's there are no lines i can draw to to other things or to maybe some deep rooted meaning in the stuff they're just sci-fi romps right but i thought so what who cares you know sometimes the the comfort stuff speaks for itself which i think star trek does right yeah for you i i'm just a little creeped out and i'll tell you why because Uh you know that I've been watching Star Trek Next Generation on Netflix. Yes. Right? So I'm enjoying it, and I'm watching it maybe every other day, every third day, whatever. Lately, my YouTube, which is completely removed from Netflix, one would think, (laughs) right? My Uh YouTube has been suggesting Star Trek stuff to me. I never, ever did a search for Star Trek on YouTube. I never, you know, I, I, did, I never watched a Star Trek-based video on YouTube. How is this possible? You think there's some cross-pollination somewhere where Netflix is sharing statistics with YouTube? I don't know. Jason would know. But now I'm getting suggested Star Trek videos on my YouTube app. And it's driving me crazy. Like, are they spying on me? Are they? I don't get it. I don't know how it works. Where are you watching Netflix? You're watching Netflix on, on TV? You're not yeah. watching it on your phone? Or no, there? no. I watch it on TV, and I and I watch the YouTube app on TV. So, oh, okay. So maybe so there, there's some yeah. resident text string that YouTube is picking up on. I don't know. But I just wanted to let you know that the Next Generation movies are all on YouTube. I don't know if it's legit, but you can watch the Next Generation U- uh, movies on the YouTube for free or you got to rent them no for I know, free i know youtube has movies yeah for i i clicked on one and it started playing so i don't know but it's just creepy how the, like it's like when the when you're talking about sausage and you you yeah open up yeah. your social media and then it's suge- all the time. I mean, yeah I'll be, I, I i'll be in the car with renee talking about something and then we'll be at the mall and i'll scroll through whatever and and all of a sudden like there's something there's an ad yeah, for something we just, we discussed in the car freaks me it's out. It's like obviously my microphone is on. I, you know these are all the terms and you sign up with and everything. I know Jason's like, listen, nobody's listening because there would be lawsuits out the ass and it would you know there there's there's absolutely no no security issues or, or there's you know there would be massive privacy concerns. But um, you know things I I feel it, it's your device. You know, you're you're watching it on one thing. I I think that there are, there's you know, as long as your email address is is connected somewhere, I 
I like you know I, I joke yeah. around and say that you know they're listening. But I, 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 I see. I don't have issues about privacy. I really don't. I don't either. No, I, either. I, I don't. I, I, if I don't, it is listening to me, whatever. You be able to track me. I don't. Yeah, shit. yeah. I, I don't. Over that a long time ago. You, the only people that have to worry about privacy issues are the ones that are talking about things that shouldn't be talked about. Exactly. I mean, that's a generalization, yeah, but I don't get in the car like, hey, I think I'm going to make a giant pipe bomb tonight. Like, that'll be awesome. Here's what I'm going to do. You know, I talk about stupid shit. So if you want to listen in on my stupid shit, <laughs> have at it. Whatever. It, it, um, so you watched uh, How Far Are You Into Next Generation? I'm not done with the first year yet. Okay. Yeah. Did, did, did you come across the... Um uh the skin of evil mm. the black blob no no not okay. yet but right. i i gotta say I, I enjoy it but it there is a quantum leap between seasons one and everything that came after like they yes. really they really got their groove the first season's a bit rough around the edges yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. they're all there. They're, they're, I they're, mean, they're, they're completely yeah. enjoyable, but uh, yeah. it, it vastly improved over time. Yep. Yeah. There so, Jason, yeah, especially with uh, Tasha Yar. Uh, do you have any other questions for us from the, the patrons? Always. All right. Always. You've been a little quiet. I'm a bit concerned. No, no, no. I mean, uh, no. I mean, I was. You, you and Dapper. I don't want to talk over you. Um, I just went off on Philadelphia. I hate when you say that. You act like I was talking. Like, I just spent 15 wow. minutes on Philadelphia. My dude, relax. Relax. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Speaking of Cameron, oh hey he's buddy, get a chance to redeem himself here. Which comic book character would be the best lover? Hmm. One would think it would be Reed, right? No, that would not be anywhere close to what would come to mind for me, no. Well, I don't think he would even have to try very hard, right? Well, I'm, I mean, he has to, you have to, it's, no, that's not true. He would have to, first of all, I don't know his, I would argue that Reed is so focused on his science that he has uh, the ability to be a great lover, but I yeah, like, like he doesn't seem like, I mean, if anything, they always hint that he's not like, he doesn't give her the good loving enough. I mean, well, okay. But I think the best for, lover in, I mean, if you're the, he says the best lover, like the best lover would be someone that's obsessed with and expert at the art of making love. Like, I don't I like, think, I, mean, I don't I mean, think Reed is that at all. No, but he could, he could, yeah, but we're, we're not... We're no, not but it's, it's not just about like, what he could physically do. It's, it's Does he have the willingness the, and interest in doing it? I think... On, okay, so, 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 Vince, the, so, yes, maybe Reed could, but for my money, I would think that Matt Murdock is definitely the better lover over Reed Richards. Yeah, sure. And my, my man's... Uh, my man's a slut. Dude, how many how many of the Marvel Universe women hasn't he slept with? That, that that's a shorter list. Well, in the Kevin Smith run, definitely not Karen Page. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, okay, I get it. Um, but I okay, once Reed was cognizant of the fact that Sue Sue needed something, I th I think that he would be able to manipulate his. Anatomy in such a way that he could 
attack two bullseyes at one. You know what I'm saying? That he could. But in, for that money, I, I think Ralph Dibney would be more adventurous and be more. Oh, adventurous. yeah, sure. So, yeah, you know, because he's a fun he, guy. He would attack I mean. three at once. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's, oh, it's Stark. Oh, no, Tony Stark, I think, is selfish. He's selfish. Yeah, he may like, have been with a lot of women, but he's selfish. This is a universe with aliens and gods. Like, I would imagine that, like, I mean, there are, you know, how many how many Marvel characters or DC characters are devoted to love and seduction, right? I think Moondragon would be really good. But, like, Aphrodite's in, in the DCU. Like, yeah. I would imagine Aphrodite's a better lover than fucking Reed Richards or... Oh, I would or, think, or yeah. Stark. Like, I don't like... Yeah. Like, no, you're right. You're right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, so I would say one of the deities where, you know, would be the, uh, would be my choice. Uh, maybe, maybe desire would be kind of good at, uh, assuming desire could take corporeal form, right? Which is oh, probably, um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I probably could. Right. Yeah. Or delirium would probably be even better because, oh no, she's a kid. Never mind. I mean, and then if you if you want to eliminate non humans, I don't know why you would in the comic world, but if you want to eliminate non humans, I would say someone like uh, like an Emma Frost would come to mind. I mean, mm-hmm. she's a freak. She could totally immerse you into a, <laughs> she's a freak a mental state though that like she could have you seeing or feeling whatever you wanted to see or feel. If right. that was her, if, right? You know. Then there's like the people like the Enchantress. I mean, right? Like she. I mean, Wanda. Like, I bet you would be pretty good. Don't forget my girl Stacy X, who made an appearance in Way of X recently. Tying it into current events. Bonus right? points for you. Gold star, Jason Wood. Gold star. I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, expand your horizons, y'all. Yeah, okay. Matt <laughs> well, Murdoch. What else we got? Leave them uh, alone. Okay. Uh, settle it once and for all. Capes or no capes? Oh, boy. Capes in context. I mean, it... it it depends. There's Batman He's without a cape would work. That. No, because like, it's, listen, I? no, it's well, you you watch The Incredibles, you know, yes, yeah, no capes. I mean, look what happened to Syndrome. So I mean, I get it. Yes, there the capes, capes may be not practical, but they definitely serve a purpose. Like I said, Batman without a cape wouldn't work. He's the um, only one I could say that about. I mean, they've done Superman with and without. And you know, I just I'm I I prefer it with the cape because I'm a purist in that regard. But you know, I, I it it's yeah, there it really. I mean, Moon Knight, it's it, it kind of works there as well. Um, yeah, but what exactly is the function of a cape for someone right. like for someone like Superman? What what is the cape other than a. a, a it, it, it uh, like a feeling of royalty of something above you. Just I'm I'm so majestic that I I have to wear this piece of cloth on my back that flaps in the wind. Like it doesn't really serve a purpose other than you know it's a visual. It's an exclamation point, right? But in terms of battle and and enabling him to do what he does, like the cape is irrelevant. It's, and, and then the one for um for the. Shazam Captain Marvel. It's like, that's just like a large bib. I, I don't. Yeah, that's not very big at all. I don't. A brocade I don't, bib. <laughs> <laughs> that looks silly. Yeah, um, it does look a little silly. But again, it, it's 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 strange that you know you grow up seeing Captain Marvel, Superman, all these characters with a cape. If you ever took them away, it it would look wrong. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with, like, the trunks on the outside. It, it's like that's, I mean, someone wears that outside, you know, you, you see somebody in real life wearing that, and you think, you know, yeah. there's just something wrong with them. But it, I well, you, I need to see the red trunks. Right. You and I are guilty of that. We're like, yeah. new 52, what the frick? Yep. Where's, yeah, it's, it, it feels unfinished. Yep. Yeah. It, it wasn't. I don't think it was. Because it also breaks it up. Otherwise, yeah, it, well, exactly. Like, wearing like that uniform. It's like, right. like wearing blue long johns. That yeah. was silly. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Mm. Yep. All right. Selby wants to know, and I'm going to, I'll ask the question and I'll tell you if we'll have to talk about whether we even agree with the premise. Okay. Selby says, honestly, how is Superman ripped? Betrays understanding of physiology. Do you all want a chunky Superman as much as I do? I don't. Someone's no, gonna dude. walk me through that. You gotta. You have to. First of all, you gotta read the Burn Superman. Read Man of Steel, the six issue miniseries. He kind of explains the fact that he's trying to, you know, stay in shape. Um, to me, I think Selby's it. point is like, if you were but, as strong yeah. as Superman was, how could you stay in shape? Like, how how could you? Like, how could you give giant muscles? Because what would you be lifting? You're not going around lifting planets to, like, well, every day to work out. In his, well, but in his day-to-day job, he has so, to do like, Herculean tasks. But it would be all, like, easy for him. Like, when, like how – it's very rare – like, again – and I'm not saying I agree with Selby here, but I'm thinking his point is that, like, on a regular basis, super, Superman rarely is taxed. Like, he's doing things he, – he's godlike, especially for most of his comics run. Like, he just – he can do things with ease. Like He's it's not ever, it's well, rarely if ever a challenge. A for thousand him. crunches in like five minutes, it's fine. It, there's yeah. no no. I don't. What, I, I, I think I, that's the answer. It would be like plyometrics and like you do like self like resistance training, right? But like you, you got to keep in mind that a rip Superman is a relatively new concept. Look at the Kurt Swan and uh, Superman. Yeah, they, they had they had they yeah. had dad bots, right? Yeah. Well, I think the your point is okay. I think they were drawn to always they've he's always been drawn to look whatever like whatever the physical male ideal oh, of totally that agree. time yeah. is, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Uh, look at the the mullet superman, right? He's a mirror of the times. I mean, I'll, I'll <laughs> my answer to Selby's question is no, I do not clamor for a heavy set superman. And like if you if you want to give me a heavy set like like super being that has powers evocative of Superman, like that could be fun in its own way. Like that's, that's fine. Like that's sure. There's definitely a place for that, but like Superman and we all know I'm the, I'm not the one that reps Superman around here like you two do, but, but I mean, I, to me, like the biggest issue and the best thing about Superman is that he's the ideal, right? Like he's the perfect person, right? Like, I mean, he's basically the, he's, he's the, kind of person that doesn't exist in the real world and so under that auspice i don't think i think being that physically fit is is as much an ideal as being incredibly moral or kind or smart like he like like he should if that's the character he should be in a phenomenal shape because that's what we should aspire to because that's the healthiest right so like i i think he i don't ever want to see a heavy set superman now but his metabolism, because of the yellow sun, right, is faster and more efficient. And but he, that, he doesn't even have to eat; he could he could just right, but absorb it, the the solar radiation. You could have, I mean, you could have great metabolism. That's not going to give you cum gutters. It, there, there are things where you're what? just going to. What, their, what was uh, that? Yeah, I don't know what that was. Either. Oh, you never heard that? All right, go. Oh. So, um, yikes. There, there's, 
we've seen the chubby, schlubby, super strong dudes, and they're always made, and they're always played for comedy. They're always in the, so it's just, mm-hmm. but but you're not, yeah, it's it's. No, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not yearning for 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 yeah. a, a chonky Superman. Yeah, chonky, chonky. I got to put a capstone on my ERB before we run out of time. Oh, for for those playing at home, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yes. Well, if you're a fan, you already know that. Right, but you have to assume a good chunk of our listeners don't know what that means. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, second part of the Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, one-two punch. It's a book called Pellucidar, Across Savage Seas, number one, written by the same team that that wrote uh, the book I previously talked about, Beyond the Farthest Star, Warriors of Xandar, Mike Wolfer, and Christopher Paul Carey. This one, however, is illustrated by Mariana Puglia, and the color, again, is by Arthur Hesley. This book's very, very different. Uh, from the previous book, uh, in most respects, save one. It features a female heroine, female lead, which is awesome. And her name is Gretchen von Harbin, a.k.a. This is a real-life Burroughs character. Uh, she's known as Kla in uh, Burroughs's children's book. He only wrote two, uh, called Tarzan and the Tarzan Twins with Jad Bel Ja, the, lo- the Golden Lion. I know it's a long title, but he decided it was appropriate. So who is Gretchen von Harbin? You may ask. Well, she's a student of anthropology. She's 22 years old when this story, which is set in 1930, takes place. During a summer break in her studies, she gets a chance to accompany uh, Captain Douglas Conover, of the vacuum airship Favonia. See, all the Burroughs stuff is just amazing. There's an airship um, named the Favonia. Uh, and uh, explorer, adventurer, inventor Jason Gridley. And he is from Tarzan at the Earth's core. They pluck uh, Burroughs characters from their uh, his works. And they have to run a supply run to Pellucidar, right? Gridley's an important character uh, as he's married to Janna, the red flower of Zoran, which is a, she's a Pellucidarian. So you have a, a top-level human married to a hollow-earth Pellucidarian, which is kind of cool. But uh, their marriage is not public knowledge because Pellucidar and everything within the land of the hollow-earth, Neil Adams is loving this, is kept secret, save for a select few. But uh, to get back to Gretchen... Her brother, Eric von Harbin, discovered a uh, metal called harbonite. It was named after him. Uh, the deal with harbonite is it's very light and incredibly strong, and it's the stuff of which the Favonia is constructed. Hence the current supply mission to deliver said harbonite to a man in Pellucidar named Abner Perry. Have you guys ever seen uh, At the Earth's Core, the movie? The it was made in 1976, Amicus. It has Doug McClure and Carolyn Monroe in it. Can't say that I have. Ah. I've seen snippets, but yeah, not the whole thing. So Abner Perry in the movie is played by Peter Cushing. The awesome, amazing Peter Cushing played Ab- Abner Perry. So anyway... Uh, 
these these stories of descents into strange lands tend to go south. Uh, there's a problem with the ship. The Favonia was built very quickly, and nobody n- really knew how to manipulate this strange new metal. And uh, there's issues, right? And they're compounded when a Thipdar, and that's the Pellucidarian name for a Pteranodon, a, a Thipdar attacks the ship. Long story short, chaos ensues. Gretchen has to bail out of the ship uh, as she's plummeting uh, to Earth with her, not really plummeting, floating to to uh, ground level with her chute. Uh, she's blasting away at the Thipdar with a you know gun. Uh, but the problem is, Pelucidar's savage and untamed, and she descends to a point that they did not intend and she's alone um she's a cutie gretchen's a a blonde haired blue-eyed uh beautiful woman um smart resourceful but now she's in this uh she's in the in the wild she's in the thick of it and she gets attacked at the end and that's where the issue ends but there's one more wrinkle to the character of gretchen harbin that i did not mention in the previous book Gretchen is the mother to Victory Harbin, the heroine in Beyond the Father Star, Warriors of Xander. That, dun, dun, dun. Is, that is very cool. Very cool. I love the way that they're they're pairing up these books into this cohesive, uh, you know, multi-character universe. There's thought going into these books. They're not just, yeah, let's try this. You know, there's, there's calculated connection between these two books one's mother and one's daughter and uh, both are in very very different locations very very different circumstances but when you pull back they they're linked by blood i think that's amazing and um, they're they're very much worth your attention the art on this by mariana puglia is great it's it's very stylized very clean um like I said, Gretchen is is gorgeous, um, and they don't resort to cheesecake to sell the strengths of the the main character, which is, I think, all I can ask for for something that's supposed to do uh, Burroughs proud, right? So, I mean, if you're a Burroughs fan, you probably already know about these, but if you're not, I think you should keep an eye out for this American mythology Burroughs universe stuff because it's getting really, really good. That's all I got. Look at you. Love yeah, it. I'm a sucker for Bur- for the back of the previews. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've always been a Burroughs fan, but I'm wondering where the heck is Tarzan? How come nobody's mm-hmm. not Maybe doing anything? Tied up in some kind of litigation. Yeah, I would guess. But hanging out with Gru. <laughs> I know, but I mean, like, a, a, I'm looking for a, a straight tarzan story like yeah dark horses has done many many good um tarzan stories but to uh american mythology's credit tarzan is mentioned more than once in in uh this book so you know they always they reference lord lord greystoke they reference john clayton and the i mean it's it's immersed in burroughs universes so yeah, you, if you're a fan, I, I, you need to read these because they're great. Yep. Nice. Yeah. And we need more books with, with strong, resourceful female leads. 
Oh, hell yeah. For yep. sure. Now you're talking. All right. What else we got? Well, since Jason, you were, you introduced yourself as he last week. Uh, do you want to tag on Frontiersman number one? Oh, sure. Yeah. You still haven't read it, Evans? Don't care. I won't remember what you said until I, when I read it. So I'm good. You know what I mean? Like I won't, I'm, I will probably be doing stuff on the back end now as you're talking about it. So have at it. Well, before you jump in with the synopsis, uh, let me ask: What did you generally did you like it? Oh, I loved it. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. And I wasn't going to go. I, I was just. It was basically just going to be me saying that I really, um, I really enjoyed it a lot. I, I particularly was fond of the back matter um, where uh, Patrick Kinlan was uh, name dropping a few titles from um from back in the day that uh that i used to enjoy and it was um although some of what he was some of what he wrote um i don't know if pretentious is the right word but it did come off a little uh highfalutin but probably I, within reason i mean it's based on what he and uh he and he and marco were trying to do um i think it works although it is it, the the idea the concept the character um i hope people do check it out i hope people i i, I hope hope this book you know hope we get the email from image in the next week or two saying that it's sold out it's going into a second printing i want people to read this i i enjoyed it a lot um but i don't know if this is the type of character that's going to really hook um the kind of readers who are really into um, the capes and the cowls or into uh, what Ed and Sean are doing uh, or even what, um, what, what, what Chip and Jacob are going to be doing with, with Newburn. I just, I like it, um, but I'm concerned because they're, what they're hoping to accomplish. I don't know if um, it's weird. Uh, um it's like when 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 uh Mitch McMahon will put somebody in on on the show but the ratings suck because of what else was going up well, because they were going up against football and you know if it's gonna be like well see Brian Danielson can't uh he can't pull a rating it's like no dude it's because you know he was he stacked up again I'm, I'm concerned this is going to be going up against too many other other books that are going to have people's interest and and i don't want to see anything happen to this book so it's it's what what they're hoping to do i'm hoping that um that other things don't prevent them accomplishing their goals well isn't that isn't that the fear of everybody in the entire industry it is but they're not but this isn't your on the surface because of what because of the message they're, they're they're telling it's not necessarily your traditional um Avengers or X-Men style book. Right, right, but I guess but yes, you're all right. Yes, that yeah, is, that, no, that, but that is that is a concern and 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 a worry. It's everybody's goal, but yes, that is a concern. Oh, whoever thought Manifest Destiny would reach 48 issues. You know, True. like there there yes, are things right. th- some things click and and some things don't. And I'd, I 
I'm not necessarily, I don't think it's because of the competition. I think maybe it's a shortcoming of, of uh, a bunch of different things. Maybe the premise wasn't sound. Maybe the, right. yeah. you know, who knows? I right? think there's a million things, right? Like, yeah. like it's, it's, it's a confluence of, of sure. Sir, it, it's like nature versus nurture. Sure. There are, uh, I mean, the book, the book has to look and look good and read and read well. I mean, it has to be good, but, but then that's only a small portion of it, right? It's right. Who's the publisher is important, right? I mean, you just got done talking about American mythology, but but it is still a simple fact that if you're in the back of the previews, you're you're not going to get the eyes, right? right. Like, like it's going to be much harder, regardless yeah. of quality. A uh, huge chunk of the industry is carved out by Marvel and DC, mm-hmm. and yeah, everybody and, else and, is and, struggling right. for scraps. And a lot of uh, a lot of uh, store owners um, carry, you know, they they carry big two some image a little bit dark horse like they carry what they know will sell because they can't afford to have spec inventory i mean long gone are the days when stores could and did just buy anything and they thought look cool and keep it on the shelf and hope there's an audience for it they can't afford to oh man yeah you know i remember back in the day when the black and white boom was was raging the local shops they had everything because they were cheap and they they could afford to bring five ten copies of each thing in now no way I mean, well-run stores now, even with a lot of big two books, don't they only order what's pre-ordered from their pull list customers, right? You know, I mean, they're not carrying, they're not carrying the sixth or seventh mutant title or the fourth Spider-Man book on the shelf. They're just not doing it. It's just because it doesn't make sense. So it's just very hard for a lot of these books to ever even get a chance to succeed. All right, hypothetical situation. Do you think? that the industry would be stronger, meaning there'd be a, a, a more diversity among titles uh, in, in the top whatever if there were no comic shops and you got your books from one central vendor, much like we do, like DCBS. You get your previews, you order what you want, and you get them. Right, no comic shops, no distributors, just this one entity that services the previews catalog. Do you think that you would have different books in your top X amount as as opposed to you know the standard stuff with the comic shops, Batman, you know, get your Marvel titles, and then maybe an image or or a couple of image books mixed in with the top ten? Do you think it would be any different? Because then there's no risk from the the retailers. They don't have to order things just to put it on the shelf. If you're ordering from a central entity that's servicing everybody based on a digital catalog, there's no shelf space necessary. You could order whatever the hell you want. And then they would just order books based on the amount of orders they received. I mean, I want the answer to be yes, but I don't I don't know that we have data to say it is because I mean, from what we understand from Digital sales and comicsology and all that. The, there's there are exa- there are exceptions where there are breakout hits in those mediums that don't make it in paper. But but generally speaking, I mean the top selling books in those platforms are still big two. Books, oh, I'm right? still I mean, talking physical books. Like I mean paper, physical copies. Like not digital. I'm not concerned with that at all. But what I'm saying is, if DCPS was it, and there was no more comic shops. And they just delivered right to you based on what you ordered, 
would would the 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 top twenty books be a different story if yeah, everybody I don't, I don't was think on so, it? Right? Because if anything, I mean, the, it's not like the comic book stores are acting irrationally. They're they used to act irrationally by saying, "Oh, let me carry this because it looks cool, and we'll try and sell it." it now they're more rational because they have to be, where they're only carrying what they know will sell, and right. what sells is Image, DC, and Marvel. Right, and but there's no risk in the the uh, there's little risk in the the one store to serve them all, right? They don't have to worry I, I, about well, buying. To, to 20. me, though, it still comes down to what does the audience want, right? So, like, right. I, I don't. Like I guess I I would be more open to, to saying yes to your question if if again like there's theoretically digital comics should be a compl- like the digital I thought this far into digital comics the digital comic landscape would just be completely different than the direct market like I would think that it, because of what you're saying like it would be because you'd have an entirely new untapped set of readers coming in that could buy anything that they thought looked cool and it just hasn't happened. So mm-hmm. I just I think it's more of a case of momentum, right? I mean, a lot of our, a lot of our, a lot of this hobby, much like collecting toys, is momentum. It's nostalgia and momentum. So, uh, but I don't know. I mean, but that being said, I mean, I'm hopeful that that the collective value of all of these new distribution platforms and ways to put your work out there will change the tenor. But uh, I don't know, though. I don't. But I, I mean, but I, I don't. I don't. I. I, I like I'm more hopeful for it than I am confident in it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just don't, no, I, get I don't it. know. Yeah. But that said, like with frontiersmen, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we, we know well enough. We know enough about the economics of this kind of thing. It's, it's just a question of this doesn't have to be the walking dead, right? It just has to sell well enough that they're making their nut and paying their rent. Um, yeah, right. You know, and I think that's a much lower bar. It's a very it, beautiful book. It is, it is, and that's how I was going to say. I mean, I, I will admit, I, I wasn't like blown away by the, by the premise. Like, I mean, I thought it was fine, and I'll, I'll get, I'll definitely read the second issue. Um, but I thought Marco Ferrari's art was terrific. I, yeah. I, I, I thought it was very Stoko esque, uh, very um, Adam Warren. You know, like there, there's, I've, I've, and both of those obviously are influenced by manga, so there's definitely a manga influence in this. But. Um, yeah, I thought it was terrific. I mean, it was, it was energetic and, I mean, tons of speed lines and so much detail on each panel and really interesting panel layouts and, like, the double-page battle scenes. I, I just thought it was great, really expressive faces. It, it, so I, I'm, I, I think for, for I think Marco does the he, the heavy lifting here, uh, at least to my to my mind. And, uh, I and, and I think that this is, and I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but regardless of what comes from this, I think Ferrari's about to be a big thing. Yeah. yeah. You know. See, uh, I saw this on both your lists, and I won't read mine until I get the physical copy. That's Yeah, same. And yeah. I, so, I, it, it's on my pull list at the shop, which is why I read it. Oh, nice. I got mine coming in my next box, and right. I really want to dive in, but uh, I won't until I get the, the thing in my hands. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm like that with a lot of books. Same. Yeah. I'll, no, we, we we can definitely dive into it when you get it. Um, I just I, I want I didn't want to let it sit too long on our list without at least mentioning it. And 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 I I dug it a lot. And the art is definitely a uh, a big factor in my enjoyment. Yeah. Here's a question uh, specifically geared towards DCBS. When you order a first issue, do you automatically put it on your pull list, or do you remember? I don't use a pull list. Oh, you're wow. Uh, I have to. 
because I can't remember, you know, uh, from month to month. Did I order that first issue? Mm, I don't know. Did I? So whenever I order a first issue, I automatically put it on the pull list. I don't mm. have to worry about it anymore. I, I use a spreadsheet, right? So it's different. And then I, and then I, when I do, and then if I'm not sure, like you're saying about, oh, am I ordering this in singles or am I? I'll just, I just, I have the. SBS oh. website account open up and I, I check under uh, so unshipped the, items. Yeah, so that's a safety net of sorts. Yeah. Yeah, so you automatically know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dap, you use the pull list? Yep. Yeah. It's a good function. It is. It, oh, I, I find it essential because I will not traipse into the hell that is the spreadsheet. So. <laughs> Sorry. Love you. I'm not saying, yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine, yeah, I, you know, I. I I'm sure Christine could just tell us. I, I, Christine could just tell us. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I would. I, I've never really thought about like what percentage of people use the Excel order upload versus the, um, you know, just just order order directly like off the site like you guys do. I don't. I don't know. Like I don't know what the breakdown is there. I would imagine far more people just use the site. Yeah, I don't think I've ever downloaded the Excel thing. I mean, that's yeah, obvious, I, I've right? I've never just used the site. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't. I've used the Excel up, upload forever, but I don't. I don't know how that mix would be. Oh, so what happens if you wanted it, or there was an alternate cover? You don't care. They're listed there. They're all listed. The Excel sheet is literally everything that it's. It's the previous catalog. It's literally everything. There's a line for everything. Right, but do you? You don't see the covers. No. No, but what do I care about? I like. I don't. I don't. Covers are the most meaningless thing in comics to me. Yikes! Ugh. No, I mean I don't like. We've talked about it a million times. I, like covers are they don't they're not part of the story really anymore. They're they're usually done on spec by other artists that aren't even doing the interiors most of the time, and done months in advance of the plot of the script being written. So I don't like. All I ever do is when I'm when I'm going through this this looking through previews and then going through the spreadsheet. If there are covers that are, I never buy premium covers. If there are no. covers that are same price. I just it has listed who the covers by. I'll just I'll pick based on which artist I like. Hmm. Well, you don't order a lot of dynamite, so I, I get no, it. No, no, I, I, I need to see the the yeah, covers I before I order them. But but to to bring it back to image, like Eric Larson does two covers a month: the regular cover and then the faux Bronze Age Marvel cover, which I yeah. always order. But mm-hmm. my pull list will default to the regular cover every time. No, but you can right, but but then you so so when you go to start your order, and and you know you you when you go to your pull list items, you have everything there. the The main covers are at the top of the page. Oh yeah, I know that. Down, you'll see the variants, and you right. can zero out or add one to whichever one you want. But exactly, but there's no way to to pull list the variant covers. The variants, what, yes, you're right. Which yeah. would be nice to save you from, you know, going up and down and marking the zero and the one, whatever. The only time that, that, that plays a role for me, it doesn't do with the DC because DC does the cardstock variants. I'm not paying an extra few cents for those, but the um the the blade the, the Titan books, the Blade Runner books always have variant covers and there are times where I may not want the main cover. So I'll I'll change that. But pretty much everything else with the exception of maybe some of the Black Hammer, uh, for the most part, I'm getting the main cover. Uh, especially after the first issue, there's no price difference. Um, but the uh, more or less, 
I'm I'm fine with the main. But you're right, Vince. I, yeah. I need to see the cover. I, if and and in the case of of the Savage Dragon, yeah, I I would definitely prefer the um the Bronze Age cover because you're a man of taste. That's this is true. Yeah, it, it, and I have to laugh with the dynamite stuff because in, inevitably the main cover artist is uh, Lucio Perillo. And I, for whatever reason, I, I always, I don't think his covers are the best. So every dynamite book I, I order, I have to go down on the bottom and like you said, zero out the top one and go down and, and select the, you know, the Linsner cover or, or someone else because the Perillo, eh, he doesn't do it for me more often than not. So yeah. Ah, the adventure that is DCBS. <laughs> yeah. And this isn't even a sponsored episode. Seriously, Here's it's my, the thing, though. I might as well the be. Key take, the key takeaway from this is that regardless of the type of ordering you want to do, they make it easy. Oh, like, that, shit, yeah. Because we, we, we just yeah, established we have a decade plus of ordering comics from them in a completely different manners, and it's not a problem. Like, no. It's easy for you, it's easy for Dap, it's easy for me. Yep. Yep. I don't know what I would do without them. I would probably stop buying comics if they went away. Well, certainly if 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 they went away and there wasn't someone that was attempting to replace them in the same model, you know, of deep discounted mail order comics, I would dramatically retrench what I buy. Yep. Uh, you know. Yeah. This now we're true. fortunate in that we 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 get comped a lot of stuff. So I mean, I would never have run out of stuff to read, regardless of whether I bought a lot of stuff or not. Right. But, Those comps so are like, digital. We don't get comped Marvel and DC. So no, I mean, I, so obviously it would have to. I would like that would probably. I would just probably dramatically. Well, I, I now that I think about it, like I would probably actually make more use of my DC universe and Marvel Unlimited apps. Like I would actually probably get my money's worth out of those. Then there you go. I probably work on reading everything that I just have sitting here. You know, <laughs> right? Before I worry about whether or not I'm going to go. Yeah, I'll be it. honest. If they just want to take like a Thanos snap and like there's no new comics made for five years, I, I wouldn't mind it. We could catch up. We could then like, we'll see where we are in five years. Yep. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Because I won't feel like I'm missing out by just reading older stuff because there won't be any new stuff. I want to talk about this series. I don't know if you heard about it. Infinite Crisis? Yeah. I'm finally getting around to read it. And... <laughs> Do you remember? Um, I was always baffled at uh, that was Adam Murdo's. Yeah, thing, right. Yeah, uh, that was baffling. I assume he still does that, right? I mean, no, I fifty-two, know. wasn't it? He was getting all the issue, uh, all the pages from. Oh, no, 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 that's pants. Chrisman, that's pants. Yeah, Chrisman. Okay. No, Adam Murdo, uh, and I don't. I wouldn't imagine he's changed, but but in the early years of CGS, when when I was listening, they his whole shtick was he he buys comics monthly. Like we all do, but he never reads them out of order. So he had, at one point, I know he was 13 years behind. So when he would talk about comics each episode, he would talk about stuff that he read like that week that was from 12 years before. But for him, it was in continuity, like a week, like monthly continuity. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. That's hard. I don't. Yeah, I mean. So, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's devotion to continuity if there ever has been, right? Yeah. Guys, Marvel versus DC was great. <laughs> well, that's what he would be like. Right? I know. Like he would be like, oh, yeah, I just read uh, Secret Wars. It was great. <laughs> the Hulk lifts a mountain. Yeah, you're like, yo, you're like, Spider-Man's got a black costume now. <laughs> you're like, oh, bruh. This is the bomb. I hope they continue it. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're like, like, I hope he never takes this costume off. 
somewhat related. Have you seen the Venom trailer? Yes, I have. What are they thinking? What do you mean with what with 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 Woody or just no with the whole rapping with the with the the day glow wristbands on and then he drops the mic and it's like what am i watching what is this it it looks incredibly tongue-in-cheek i haven't seen the first one so i don't know anything about think, i don't know that i remember that from the parody trailer, so. i don't yeah I, I no he's venom's in front of a dj and he's in a crowded room and he's he's rapping and then they show him drop the mic and then the the one scene where uh, I don't know if it's the, the the goofy voice they use for the symbiote, uh, but it just it just seems like it's a borderline comedy. I did not. Well, yes, it is. I mean, I I've never I haven't seen the first one either. Um, but yeah, there is a sort of a relationship between the symbiote and Eddie that uh, that does play for comedy. Um, I didn't see the particular scene in the trailer I saw where they're introducing Cletus. And um, how the relationship between Eddie and the alien has progressed. I don't. I don't think I've seen anything regarding him rapping or, or, or oh. facing off against a DJ. At least none of the, none of the trailers I've seen. Well, keep watching. You'll see it. It's in there. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, I. I feel like I've seen the trailer. A couple times now, and it yeah. must be, uh, well, well, maybe yeah. I've seen a truncated like thirty second version on the. Yeah, well, this trailer I've seen on YouTube, so I mean, it pops yeah, up. Yeah, I probably haven't seen the full trailer. Yeah, it, I, it, I'm not saying it looks bad. It just looks like it's not played uh, extremely straight. It looks like they're going for an, a balance between horror and black comedy, and I, I don't know. Well, that's how the first one was. I mean, that's that's. I think part of it is exactly that. I mean, the 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 symbiote, you know, talks to him. You know, like it's like a second voice in his head. Well, right, that's straight from the books. But right, but I'm saying, and, and so there is definitely like a comedic, right, buddy cop aspect to that. Gotta say, I think the the casting of Woody Harrelson as Carnage is pretty inspired. <laughs> and the wig's weird, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, he he actually makes me want to check it out. I love Woody. Uh, so, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I thought the first movie. I guess I benefited from expectations. I thought it was going to be horrible, and it was much better than that. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I've never been a big Carnage fan, and I'm like uh, so over Carnage after the <laughs> three years we've been deluged with him, uh, thanks to Kate's and Steggy's incredible success. And you know, I, I'm happy for them. I'm thrilled that it it vaulted both of their careers to new levels. Like that's great. But, but it, I, I am, I am symbioted out. So I'm not clamoring to see this movie, but I enjoyed the first one. So I'm sure I'll enjoy the second one when I see it. Maybe I'll watch them someday if they're ever on uh, a streaming service. Same. Yeah. All right. Another question or we want to bring this bad boy home. Well, I mean, you can't. You got to give the people what they want if you're going to throw out the idea of another question. We got another question. So let's do another question. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Mansfield asks, which comic character would be the most likely regular EOC listener? Huh. 
That's a cool question. Um, wow. Now, can we spin the question into which one we would want to be a regular EOS or which <laughs> I mean, one? There is no, there's no right. I mean, it's your, your answer. It's... Um, I don't know. For some reason, I'm thinking Peter Quill. Interesting. Or Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy, I mean, Jimmy Olsen. Olsen was my, yeah, that was my. Yeah. Favorite. Jimmy yeah. Olsen. I mean, he's, he's, he's always written as a young hip kid, you know, like, like a young adult. So he'd be into podcasts. Yeah, I think so. He's, he's a newsy guy. So he'd be into the, <laughs> the, 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 the hotness with the media. I got a good answer. <laughs> Did Damian Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> he rage listens for DAP to mention. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 what keeping our numbers up, David. Uh, I would think um, Oracle. She's always at the computer anyway. Oh, right. Good answer. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, or like someone like the Tinkerer, like someone who's just sitting there a lab building shit all day. Like Tony Stark probably might tune in. Yeah, maybe Reed. Yeah, like working on labs. Yeah, just cranking out the hours. I hate that Vince. He's always talking about my wife. The prick. I know who would go prop, so you're right. I am a good lover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I do, <laughs> uh, I like that. It's a cute question. I don't think uh, Echo or Hawkeye wouldn't. Here's a pretty divisive one among the crew. It's interesting. It's probably unfair to even ask, but we'll ask it from Mr. Chris Chavez. Bill Watterson versus Charles Schultz. No question. No question at all. Well, you're saying Schultz. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Watterson for me, but Dap, you as often as the case, you got to break the tie. Oh, shit. Oh man, this 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 actually is tough. Um, I think the answer to this question is entirely based on when you were born. Well, for yeah, no, but it, no, I I don't know, I don't know because listen, Calvin and Hobbes is. That it holds a special place. It's it's um, growing up reading the strips every day from the paper. I mean, my my trinity was Farside, Calvin and Hobbes, and Bloom County. Facts. What? But between you know the the collections from my aunt and and you know the the. The fact that you know my my dad's dog was named Snoopy. I mean, there were just so many things growing up where Peanuts was such <laughs> a big part of. It was just it was ingrained, and and I it's but but what what Schultz did and and meant I as much as I as much as I love Calvin and Hobbes as much as I love Bill's work I I, I got to go with Charles. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> all right this has been a lot of fun i love these questions but we got to save some for later episodes we can't oh, rest on our laurels and, and do them every episode right yeah so we're gonna we're gonna bank a couple maybe in you know month or so we'll come back to these and uh big 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 thanks to the patrons for supplying us with all this ammunition because they are the best and they also sponsored this thing this special episode if you want to know more about 
Patreon and what it means as an EOC listener, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics and you will see everything that we have provided. Uh, and not only that we give out, that we re- receive. Because, uh, as I said, the patrons are, are uh, an essential part of the uh, EOC experience. We love them. I don't know what I would do without them. And uh, I did answer that question in the Slack about, well, I answered a third of the question for the F. Mary Kill uh, as regarded, as, as uh, applied to the patrons. I said who I would kill. Yeah, you did. Did, did you, guys, you guys see it? I saw it. I saw it. I said, yeah, I would kill Rod (laughs) because he's a god and would come back (laughs) in three days. Yeah, yeah, it's true. All right, in your travels, what do I want you to read? Well, uh, maybe I should have talked about this last episode when I was on that second issue kick because this is the second issue of a book written by James Patrick, art and color by Marco Locati, and good old Rachel Deering did the letters. It's Campisi, The Dragon Incident, number two. Talked about the first issue a bunch of episodes back. I think maybe ten or more. Um, you remember the setup of this book? Remind me. Okay. Back in the day, uh, there was an agreement between dragonkind and humans that, uh, you know, there was, there was a code, hands off, we'll, you know, you do your thing, we'll do our thing, as, as decreed by the king. But there was an asshole named Sir Luthermore who had a vendetta against dragons. And he, uh, he saw that the king was, was uh, in ill health and declining. So he took matters into his own hands and he, he waged a, a one-man war against uh, dragonkind and was very very successful um and because of that the uh the dragons never forgot it and um the the dragon in the present day comes to this little town named green village and wants the the living descendant of this sir Luthermore. uh the na- man's name is francesco moretti he wants this guy or he's going to burn the town down. He's going to do very, very nasty things. Uh, enter the main character of this little thing, Sonny Campisi, who is a problem solver for a mob boss named Mr. Rossi Jr. And uh, uh, Sonny has a very big problem to solve. If he doesn't hand over Moretti to the dragon, Green Village is going to burn. It's you know not, not nice things are going to happen. So uh, when this episode opens, the dragon displayed his power last issue. And uh, one of the buildings he destroyed was Sal Del Vecchio's restaurant, right? And we get this, Sonny uh, tells us about Sal Del Vecchio and what the restaurant meant to him. And uh, when Sonny was little, Del Vecchio would offer him food if he was hungry, give him a place to sleep, you know, take him out of the cold. So... This series constantly displays um, a bond between Sonny and the characters or the citizens of this this green village. Like, there's a lot of heart in this book. Uh, yeah, Sonny works for a mob boss, a guy who does not nice things. But Sonny has a conscience. You know, he cares about Green Village and the people who live there. Right. So, 
Mr. Rossi Jr. wants the problem solved. Hey, get over there. Like, do something about this. Okay? So, Sonny, amazingly enough, uh, enters into a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the dragon. <laughs> it's insane, right? And what does he arm himself with going to talk to this creature that could easily erase him from existence? Well, he brings a loaf of Easter bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He brings a loaf of Easter bread and a bunch of gold Rolexes. Uh, they fell off a truck. Uh, gold Rolexes because he knows that dragons, you know, they got this thing for gold. The dragon is not impressed. Um, the scene is really well done. Uh, it, it's, it's a human being holding off a dragon just with his wits. Right. At one point in the conversation, the dragon said, you know, uh, Sonny's like, you don't know this, our, our, our town of Green Village. You don't know about the people who live here. They're good people. They're hardworking people. The, you know, they have hopes and dreams and loves and, and, and emotion and everything. And the, you want to destroy this? And the dragon said, um, your Green Village is a garden built on a mountain of shit. And so the conversation goes south very quickly. And uh, Dragon's like, you know, you humans are all alike. You think you know Dragon Kind. You think a bunch of gold is going to convince me, you know, to, to, to go easy on you people. He goes, basically, the Dragon basically says, fuck you. And Sonny returns the favor. Um, but as Sonny's leaving, the, the Dragon says, leave the Easter bread. <laughs> It's a cool scene. Like, he was going to destroy him. He he inhaled. He was going to blow him away with his dragon breath. And Sonny's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm the only thing that's going to get you, Moretti. So if you kill me, you're not getting what you want. So by all means, I would advise against it. But if you're going to do it, do it. And the dragon backs off. Like, it's a cool scene. Um, I don't, I can't remember... A, a sequence in which a human being holds off a dragon with nothing more than his tongue. It's a great sequence. I love it. But there's a wrinkle, right? Um, not only do we get to see a little bit of the lengths that Luther Moore went to perpetuate his genocide against dragons, like this guy will not hesitate killing humans to, to uh, furthermore his agenda. Like... Mm -hmm. Not a nice guy at all. Um, but like I said, a wrinkle. There's, uh, you got the Rossi crime family. And there's another crime family with which they butt heads. And they're the La Rocas. So uh, I don't want to know. Uh, maybe I shouldn't reveal too much about this book. But uh, let's just say that the story spirals out in a way that has Sonny thinking that maybe the dragon was right in saying that, you know, Green Village was a, a, a mountain of shit. Uh, I'll let it go at that, but uh, there's a, a, a complication, let's just say, in uh, the real identity of uh, Francesco Moretti, and it's going to be really, really tough for this problem solver to fix this. And uh, I love this book. Um it it just I think it 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 strikes every chord that uh, I want struck when I read comics. It's it's got a fantasy backstory. It uh, revels in the stuff 
with which I grew up, right? I mean, this this kind of of uh, family. Uh, I don't want to say crime, but this lifestyle is very well known to me, right? And uh, it just seems it's it's a very comfortable book for me to read because I understand a lot of this stuff, having seen it firsthand. <laughs> so it's cool, and I uh, I think it's one of those aftershock books that may be flying a little bit under the radar, but uh, it, the premise is amazing. Like, what if dragons existed in the real world, and what if they were maligned sometime in the past, and they want they want to to uh, make good on on that uh, uh, betrayal uh, that happened many many years ago. Well, this is kind of what it would look like, right? I think it's a great great title, Campisi, the Dragon Incident. Read it. I will because I saw it in the, um, I believe the, is it the, no Lucky Devils. I saw the Lucky Double trade in the, the Dark Horse section. Yeah, but yeah, I am going to um, I'm going to keep an eye out for Campisi. I think you'd like it a lot. Yeah, there's there's a you're an emotional guy, and there's a lot of no, you know what I mean. There, yep. There's there's a lot of um, heartfelt connections between these characters that you, you know they're not nice people. They're 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 organized crime members, right? So you don't expect these people to have. Uh, there's a sequence in which a bunch of local guys they get all armed up and they're in their 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 Hummer or whatever it is and and they're going to take the dragon out. They got their rifles and their guns and everything. And Sonny heads them off. He's like, "What are you doing?" And they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna go take out that prick that's gonna burn down our town." And Sonny's like, "Yo, Bill, do you want me to tell your wife what you did in those two hours when you left the prom back in the day?" And Bill's like. Mm-hmm. And he, and, he, and he has an example for every one of these guys. So he knows them inside and out. He's lived with them. They're, they're maybe not his friends in, in most cases, but they're, they're cohabitants of this town. And he's experienced with them. And he calls them all out. And they turn around and they go home. He, he basically saved their lives. You know, yeah, he threatened them. By, you know, letting their significant others in on information that they may not have wanted them to know. But he, mm-hmm. so he, he, you know, did a, a sleazy way, but he did, he still did them a solid. He saved their lives. That's the kind of stuff that, that this book is in, the book is really strong in, in those kind of areas. And that's why I love it. I respect it. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Speaking of emotional, um, it's been a minute since I uh, was looking forward to a, um, if you want to call it an event, or or I decided that you know, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of like invest in the in the tie-ins just to see, you know, because there aren't a lot, there aren't a lot, thankfully, involved in this storyline. But I, you know, I, I miss the days. There are times where I miss the days of like. War of the Gods, where like I bought all the tie-ins to that Wonder Woman event, and um, I decided to give it a go again with the death of Doctor Strange, because aside from the five issues, there's only six one-shots that tie into it. But um, I like Lee Garbett, and he's the artist on the story. Um, Jed McKay, I'm hearing really good things about. Um, 
and this is definitely a um, he, he's done his homework in regards to um, to this character and uh, Stephen Strange's life up to this point. Um, now, even bringing bats in, bats the uh, the basset hound, who's a ghost from the um, the post, the, the Jason Aaron, Dennis Hopeless, Donny Cates run. Um, and it also picks up after Mark Wade's recent run, uh, where he splits his time between being the master of mystic arts and a surgeon. Uh, so it, the bulk of the issue is just, you know, him going about his daily business, handling, um, issues as they arise, going to strange Academy and, and, uh, speaking in front of a class and helping, um, Ileana send some demons back to, uh, Kalimbo. But all he's doing is he keeps like thinking about this, this Polaroid he has of Clea and he just keeps, you know, thinking of her. Um, but the end of the issue, um, there's truth in the title. Someone knocks on the door, and uh, and and Stevens Stephen answers it because Wong is off at his life drawing class, and Bats is out playing chess in the park. So um, so he opens the door, and uh, he's like, "Okay, how odd." What are you doing on my doorstep? It has been a long day, and and the person at the door, all you see is his gritted teeth, and he says, "Your or or she says, your last day," and full page splash of a bunch of magic happening. Um, Stephen thinking to himself, "It's a good thing that his friends aren't here because uh, they couldn't help him. Uh, it's beyond them." And and there's a nine panel grid of of him in agony, thinking about his friends. Um, and uh, and when his life is extinguished, pretty much um, everybody feels it. We see Wong at the mentioned life drawing class. He acknowledges something happening. Uh, we see Thor as a lumber, uh, a lightning bolt hits Earth. Shaman is there. Um, Bats is leaving the chess game that he was playing uh, magic notices something even Reed Richards is shown in his laboratory with a, uh, the computer screens reading as a readout that says dimensional breach imminent. Um, you see Jericho drum, everybody, everybody's reacting. They show up at, uh, at sanctum and uh, there's a knife in Dr. Strange's heart and uh, everybody's too late. And the, uh, even the Captain America calls and uh, on the little Avengers card that uh, everybody gets and he's um, Zelma answers the call and, and, and caps like, you know, I'm, I'm this is Captain America. I'm calling for Dr. Strange. Uh, it's an Avengers emergency. We need um, we need the doctor because uh, we're tracking multiple extra dimensional invasions. And uh, so shit's popping off. And and then um, and everybody's trying to process this, but all of a sudden we get a portal opening, and someone walks out of that portal, and and that's where I'm going to leave it. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's 
because of everything going on. Like I said, there's there's it, it, it's a total of uh, eleven odd issues uh, according to this checklist. So you know, I figure, what the hell? I'm 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 a Doctor Strange mark, and if something like this is is uh, I, I'm into this story, I I, I want to see where we go. Um, but uh, you know, I with with, with Strange gone. The uh, the magical defenses of the planet uh, are also gone, so I I, I got to see where we're going. But yeah, th- this should be it's it's one of those things where I think it should be whether or not it plays off into other things in the Marvel universe. But as far as the storyline, this this event goes, um, it appears to be kind of self contained to this, and and uh, I should have fun with it, and and we'll get to see. I'll get to see according to these one shots, you know, how strange is involved with things like, you know, the X-Men or, um, I think by the time the issue comes out, the one that has something to do with Spider-Man, I think will be Ben Riley since that's will be post the whole number 75 with the whole beyond creative team. So yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The first issue was a lot of fun. Uh, as much as the death of a character can be, uh, but uh, but yeah, I am um, I'm curious to see how Jed McKay um, writes this all up and and uh, and explains it by the time by the time it ends. And uh, and I like Lee Garbett, and and if I can uh, see him draw Doctor Strange, I'll be here for it. So yeah, in your travels, the death of Doctor Strange. Nice. Um, in your travels, before y'all open up some books to read, you still have time to make your travel plans, if you haven't already, because I know some of you love to to see your boys in person, and you're going to get not one but two chances this year, end of year, because New York Comic Con is Thursday, October 7th through Sunday, October 10th, and we'll be making appearances. I say appearances because we don't really have our schedule firmly cemented yet the three of us will be together that whole four day uh slot but we won't be at the con for the entirety of each day but either way if you uh, are going to be in the new york comic con uh vicinity and would like to uh say hello or try and meet up or whatever you know hit us up on uh the various and sundry platforms that you know where to find us and uh, probably bigger news because it's the first time and, you know, let's be honest, maybe the only time, depending on how life goes. We will be descending upon Seattle, Washington, December 2nd, 3rd, 4th and 5th. We are confirmed, locked, loaded, ready like an arrow in the bow, Vince, straight through the heart of our West Coast EOCers. We will be out there. And I have to say my heart grew three times the size this past week when I posted the news that we were going to eat Emerald City in our Facebook group and we were deluged with posts from West Coasters who were elated to finally get a chance to meet us in person, including many longtime friends of the show that said they were on the fence about whether or not to go to Emerald City this year and are in fact going to go now so that they can dap us up. So How about that? It's going to be pretty awesome. And uh, in your travels on the reading front, uh, check out Corridor Magazine. Corridor yeah. was a Kickstarter uh, last about a year ago, I guess it was funded. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, and uh, they had they did a nice job of of meeting their their expected deadlines and delivering the magazine into our hands uh, before the Halloween season. I bring up Halloween because it is a horror magazine. It's the first issue, so hopefully there'll be more. Um, and the cool thing, well, there's several cool things about it, but the, it's uh, it is chock full of of EOC family, chock full. Uh, first of all, it is uh, I should mention that it's edited and published by Christian Sager and Dave Moore, but the uh, the first issue contains. Um, Work from Karina Becco, uh, Ray Fox, Dave Jordan, shout out, uh, Jonathan LaMancha, Ryan Lee, Brian Level, Rafer Roberts, uh, and of and and many more. And I, but of course, I'll save the, our best for last, Mr. Dave Wachter. Um, it's a 96-page full-color, oversized magazine. It's 10 by 13. They did a fantastic job. It looks great. Um, the only thing I will caveat for people, uh, you can, by the way, even though it's a Kickstarter, you can buy the magazine. You can actually go to their Kickstarter page, and there's a button on the top that says Order Corridor Number 1. So you can go to Kickstarter and just either search for Corridor Magazine, or you can even just type in Google Corridor Magazine, and I think the Kickstarter will be the first link that comes up. But um, it's really well done. The one caveat I would say to you is just be keep in mind, this is not a comic book. It is a magazine. So there are... Uh, there are comics in it. There are spot illustrations in it, but it's a, a lot of it is short fiction, uh, essays, and the like. So it's 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 a true anthology magazine where there's all different kinds of fiction in the book. But it's really well put together. And uh, what I have read of it so far, I just started reading it, but uh, I looked through the whole thing to see all of our people's art. Uh, looks great, and and the first few stories that I read were terrific. So definitely check it out if you didn't back the Kickstarter. Awesome. Really well, really put together well. Yeah. Great. All right. Remember, people, if you haven't read it already, next episode is the book of the month. And what, pray tell, is the subject of the next book of the month app? Sword of the Atom. Uh, is the trade paperback containing the miniseries, the Fortune miniseries, and the three specials DC put out. Um, two of which were illustrated by the series co-creator Gil Kane, the third special by Mr. Pencil by Mr. Pat Broderick. And, um, yeah, it, uh, it, it, it took me back, man. I had a blast reading it, rereading it. Uh, actually, I think it's the third time I reread the trade, um, by the issues whenever I can. It's, it, it was a lot of fun. I hope. If you're reading along with us, that uh, that you enjoyed it as well, knowing that uh, it is a product kind of more or less of its time, but uh, still extremely entertaining, at least as far as I'm concerned, without going too much into it, since it's not the Book of the Month episode right now. But yeah, uh, more stories to come when we talk about it this week. Can't wait. All right, everybody. Hey, if you would be so kind, we have more stuff available to you on the socials, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, keep in mind the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics because they made this thing happen. And uh, do the man a solid and say good night. Wow, that went up, didn't it? <laughs> so I did not intend for that, but it just happened. Um, yeah. 
It's weird how things like that happen, right? Right, Jason? Totally. Totally weird. And unplanned for and impromptu, David. Ooh. Yeah. You know what I just got excited about? What? Nice. After Book of the Month, the next episode we do will be a live episode. Oh, this is true. Yeah. Yep, yep. And the audio will be fucked up, but we're going to use it anyway. So that's how it goes. <laughs> that's how it rolls. Yeah, and the patrons, won't be that bad. The patrons should, if, if they, people, are, ooh, if people nice. are on the fence about being a patron, it's always a great idea to jump on before a con because a lot of people might not remember because it's been a long time since there's been a con, but during cons... We get there's deluge of content. Oh, too much. Yeah. We do we do little little audio snippets of, of our day. We do video interviews. episodes. We do video content. We we do you know whatever floats our boat. But we're the whole four days we're thinking how can we entertain the peoples? Right, right. Well, we had one Post shot. Stuff. One yeah. year we're on top of the uh, Port Authority parking lot, and I got a shot of Jason picking his ass as we're walking into the the door. It's just amazing stuff. That's right, <laughs> legendary. It's, it's because because New York Comic Con, our Patreon. Post went from all ages to explicit. Oh yeah, uh, thank yeah. you, Mr. Dennis Kitchen. And uh, yeah, no, I yeah, I'm I'm I am so looking forward to it. Um, the the content we give is of course a blast, blast to do because we're we're there when we're creating it. And and I mean the patrons got to hear our review and thoughts about the Joker movie as soon as it happened, and uh, oh, that was a lot of fun. I think our that's first the and only our first and only. Um, you see movie uh date yes right and the best thing about it was we were smack dab in the middle of new york city when we were doing it yep at a, at a little outside yeah outside just the ambiance the street sounds and people walking by and babies screaming um i think i think it was a fun time um yeah it, maybe I, we'll have to go to a movie over in new york comic-con weekend and uh oh adam's family Oh Ooh. God, no! What? No, 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 no. Uh, maybe uh, Dap and I'll go. Right? Oh Jesus! Because <laughs> we we like quality entertainment. I don't know about you. Oh but yeah, yeah, whatever. Maybe I there's a movie that. out there about the the sexual awakening of a of a young girl and her. Why <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go to the first second stop? <laughs> <laughs> so I love him so much. It's so easy though. He's probably saying nasty things in his brain. Right I have, I'm not muted, you clown. <laughs> in your brain, in your brain. Oh, no, I don't. I never think ill of you. Oh, that's nice. I don't either. Hey, everybody. I'm actually looking. I'm looking to see what uh, what move. Oh, Dap. What? No Time to Die comes out that weekend. Yes. Oh, oh so does Dune. Oh, what? now we're talking. Okay. We have. A like, oh. <laughs> oh, well, double fine. feature. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun. We have a lot of time. Why not? We're gonna have plenty of time. I mean, sure. you know, we don't know what the con's gonna be like, but I can tell you, based on the my nearly thirty years of being an analyst, I, I I think it's 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 you know it's not gonna be a thing where you feel like you're missing out a lot if you don't spend every hour there. You know what I was thinking? Maybe we could revisit that all-you-can-eat sushi place. Mm. No. I mean, that was the. I mean, the only reason we were there is because it was it was next to where we were going to be hanging out. I mean, it was a way we we, we took a we took a taxi, 
and it was it wasn't a short drive. I mean, we weren't driving back. It's not like we were driving back to Jason's, but we were in the cab for a minute. Okay. Well, no, I just want to just backtrack. Do you guys something? remember the name of it? No. It's probably, I'm thinking it's closed. That's why. Like, it's, it's oh, COVID, dude. Like, a lot of oh. places closed. Hmm. But you I seem th- to be put off on just the idea of going back there. Well, I'm not a, really in an all-you-can-eat mode these days. So it's <laughs> oh. sort of wasteful for yeah, me, but... Yeah, you know, I mean, I get yeah, we'll, it. So. We'll, we'll hit up Gil. He, I mean, he would know the name of the place. I would think. Well, I don't want to go off. Jason's going to feel no, obliged. To I mean, eat. but that said, I mean, because it's it's uh, it it is it was extremely affordable. I, I I'm like I'd be fine to go. I'm it, it, that's fine. I, we could talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody, we love you. So- <laughs> We love you so much, and we'll be back very, very soon, (laughs) meaning Friday, uh, with our Book of the Month episode. Go have a great time. We'll see you then, and uh, we'll have a beverage or maybe a sandwich waiting for you when you come back. Sandwich, yeah. Yeah. Say bye. Later. Later. That's it for that one.